Hello, everybody, and welcome to part two of the 2020 of 20, or sorry, the top 20 of 2020, rather. I am your host, Brooklyn Vale. Uh, welcome to the last, uh, technically the last episode of the season, but the first episode of 2021. Uh, so to everybody out there listening, hope you had a joyous holiday season as well as a happy new year. Hope 2021 has been well for the first four days. Uh, let us let us uh, reintroduce the rest of the panel, starting off with the uh, the leadoff man, Caleb Coho. Uh, your list had to be supplemented today uh, by a fellow panelist. Uh, are you prepared for today? Uh, this is the first time in the history of me doing a show where I have come to class without a pencil. Uh, I had to borrow one from Mr. Barr. Uh, but I, I remember my list now, uh, and I think uh, I still stand by it. I think so. <laughs> All right. Uh, Sec- second behind him uh, is one Scott Harvey. Scott, uh, your your list has been uh, has been quite uh, mainstream, but also very obscure in the same way. Uh, will we will we be getting the same uh, this week? Um, probably slanting a little more mainstream uh, tonight. I mean, you know, there's at least one big name that I'm sure everyone was expecting in part one that's going to be coming up tonight. But uh, yeah, a couple of repeat artists as well coming up. But yeah, I'm happy with my list as well and. I have to say, though, there are definitely a few songs and albums even that I've discovered from other people's lists that uh, I think if I had had more time with them, stuff would have cracked my list. So that's been kind of the fun of doing this for me is discovering some of the stuff that other people have put on their list. Nice. Uh, yeah, the the great part of this transition from part one into part two is that there are a lot of skips. Uh, we have uh, Dua Lipa is being skipped, uh, as well as, I believe, Katie Pruis. Uh, we have The Weeknd, Billie Eilish, uh, and Miley Cyrus, believe it or not, is also being skipped. Uh, Andrew, uh, in the third position, uh, which of the skips are you most excited for? Uh, you are muted. Great. Great start. Um, all of them? Uh, I feel like that's a loaded question. Because um, you were you were trying to uh, spoil my list. Um but uh, I'm excited for, honestly, legit, uh, all of them that you mentioned. Yeah. Um, and, and Zach, um, you were not a part of any of these skips. Your skip happened uh, earlier uh, in part one. Um, how are you feeling about all of these skips? Um, I mean, I'm like a pretentious asshole. So the fact that everyone else has like the same shit and mine is different just feeds into my, my arrogance and my big head. Uh, just... Um, Maybe I need to stop playing up that bit too much because it, it's becoming real. Um, uh, but mainly what's on my mind is I just realized that this coat rack behind me that is empty just looks real sad. It, it has bad background design, so I might have to take a break to, to redesign. Yeah, um, it, it, it's a lot of clutter uh, in your living yeah. room. Uh, <laughs> you, you may be featured on the uh, on the oh, next okay. episode of of, uh, of quarters. Um, but yeah, uh, for those of you who haven't uh, listened to part one, uh, stop this video or stop this video, stop this podcast right now. Go back and listen to part one. Listen to us talk about our twenty through eleven, uh, and then come back here or don't. You don't have to do that. Uh, we are talking through our ten through one uh, greatest songs of twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's going to be going through their ten through six, uh, and then individually uh, five through one. Uh, 
Uh, we do have the options of skips and scratches. Uh, have those work skips. Uh, if you have a song at a higher list uh, or a song at a higher position, you have a skip and then a scratch. If you forgot a song from a list that you would have it on originally, uh, then that is, that is a scratch. Uh, I need to figure out a consistent way uh, to word those things. Uh, Kill Coho, uh, start us off with your number 10. Uh, my number 10 uh, is from an artist who people know more for film than actually singing, but she is a really good singer in her own right. She made my, probably one of my favorite pop songs of the year. Uh, it's Haley Steinfeld's song, I Love You's. Uh, it's this really, like, it's a different take on a breakup song that you don't hear much. It's more so less about putting blame on someone and more so assigning new responsibility to yourself based on those experiences. And I think it's, uh, and I think it's a song that is really mature uh, and is really different, uh, especially like in the sphere of pop music and, and traditionally teeny pop music. Uh, so yeah, it was one that really blew me away and grew on me over the course of the whole year. Um, yeah, so I do like this song. Um, this did get a lot of play on the on the top forty radio station. Um, the one thing I will say about Haley Steinfeld, and this isn't really like a great, but it's one observation. She kind of mixes in with with uh, with Selena Gomez and like Demi Lovato and the rest the rest of that group. I haven't found anything. I haven't found anything in her voice that like that makes her makes her stand out. Uh, but she is an, she is an incredible vocalist, and this is like a this is a pretty good choice for number ten. Uh, Andrew, your thoughts? Um. It's it's good, but can we, as a society, stop sampling No More I Love used by Annie Lennox? I am getting so sick of hearing the exact same sample in so many goddamn songs. <laughs> um, otherwise, it's, it's good. I, I like it. It just wouldn't make my list. Uh, Zach? Um, so Haley Steinfeld did a song on Sesame Street that plays in the second episode and third episode of this past season. Um, it, it's the new Sesame Street motto, which is that like, um, I think I wonder, let's try. And that song's a bop and it has hit me after a couple Sesame Street episodes. Um, Theo loves it. Um, it's better than this song. Um, so that's all I gotta say. Check out the Sesame Street season 42, whatever soundtrack. <laughs> Sesame Street don't. <laughs> This one was just okay for me. Um, I am definitely more of a fan of her film work than her uh, music work. Uh, I don't know. This just felt a little generic. Like all those artists that you're comparing her to, Brooklyn, like Demi Lovato, Selena Gomez, I feel like all of them have more distinctive qualities about their music than this. So I don't know. It's just a bit anonymous for me. Um, all right, on to your number nine. Uh, my number nine, I already know, is going to frustrate someone. It is one that I'm very happy got its Grammy nomination this year for Song of the Year. Uh, it is J.P. Sachs and Julia Michaels' If the World Was Ending. Um, it is uh, probably one of the most well-written songs of the year to do uh, two different perspectives of the same event. Uh, I love storytelling songs. Uh, I think this is a really good one. Uh, I also love the contrast of their vocals. I'm a huge Julia Michaels fan. Uh, I think she's one of the smartest songwriters working today. Um, and I've never heard of J.P. Sachs. I think he's new. Uh, so uh, just seeing those two work together, I think they're a good fit. I think the song is really good. I'm really glad it got its nomination because it's a good song, Bar. It's a good song. Uh, yeah. Sure. Well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, all right. So I'll save Andrew for last. Uh, let's go to Zach first. Yeah, I, I, my mind is blown because I am so in my own bubble that I never know what is actually like popular. And I thought this was just some like 
bottom of the barrel random pop things that want to be big that come about is it's best song nominee. That's shocking. Okay. Uh, uh, I know. I, I, I mean, I like storytelling songs, um, you know, as well, when there's actual, like, an interesting story to tell. And I mean, everything about this is it's pretty, pretty basic. So that's why it, it, it is pretty shocking to get there. Maybe I'm missing something. Uh, Scott. Yeah, I, I promise I do like some songs on your list, uh, Caleb, but uh, this one, it, I don't know, didn't didn't do much for me either. I kind of agree with Zach that, I don't know, I just feel like it's in the, the great tradition of like piano pop with like the male vocalist sings the first verse, then the female vocalist sings the second verse, and then we're going to conclude with them like with the music like soaring and their voices coming together. I don't know. It just it felt like I've heard this kind of song done before. Um, so I will agree and say that I agree with Scott and say that I have heard this before, uh, but I like it. Um, it, it, it is kind of like by, by the numbers, uh, but I think it's executed really well. Um, and I do like the, uh, like the duality, um, that you get, uh, from their, from their voices. Um, now, Andrew, what are your thoughts? I really don't like this song. Um, First of all, I think the lyrics are not great. They can't, it kind of contradicts itself at some points. Um, and then there's the one line that just frustrates the fuck out of me. Um, would you love me for the hell of it? Like, what the fuck? You, like, this is supposed to be like this grand piece of, oh, this, would this thing bring us together? And, then there's that one line that just kind of like flops out there. Like I, I, I kind of hate that. And honestly, this is probably the worst production that Phineas has ever done. Uh, it starts to really, I, there's something wrong with the layering towards the end of this song where everything kind of just blurs and blends together in a way that kind of, it's not very good. Phineas is one of the best producers working, which is weird and wild considering his age, but this is probably his worst song production-wise. All right. Shots being fired early on uh, in this part, too. Coho, uh, we'll go to your number eight. Number eight might still be a skip. Uh, it is Billie Eilish's Everything I Wanted. Sort answer for me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, this is the best Billie Eilish song from the from the 2020 year. I think it's the best one she has of her three. Uh, it's got really good production of the of the feeling of almost this ethereal, like you're almost in whatever dream she's describing. Um, I think it's also really well written. It like flows really well. I, I'm a huge Billie Eilish fan uh, ever since uh, she dropped that duet with Khalid. Uh, so um this year when she was like i still got some songs to, to play i was just i was right there to listen to all of them um and I, I i'm very happy that the grammys recognized this one i think it's one of the best ones she has made um i would i put it up there with with some of the best from her album from last year so uh really good one um and yeah probably it's billy's best from this year okay. um all right who had the next highest i had her at 11 uh i had her where is it? Um, she was at my twelve. Uh, and Scott, I did not have her. K 
Okay, perfect. All right, so I have I have therefore I am uh, at at eleven. Uh, so I'll talk about talk about that first. Um, I really like the um, the very sort of like string stringy sort of back and forth that you would get. Uh, it's very similar to like Mary J. Blige in that terms in terms of like R and B style. Um, I love the I love the smoothness and I and I love the control and how she is able to sort of like almost dance around the beat and she has these different sort of ryth rhythmic flows. Um, yeah, it's it's a very sort of like jam sort of hype up hype up song and that's what I do love. Um, I will say about everything I have wanted. Um, I appreciate it. I just I can't. I can't like find the thing that I, that I that I necessarily like love about it. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's it's a bad song, just not necessarily my cup of tea. Um, and then Andrew. So I had everything I wanted at twelve. Imagine being nineteen and being one of and suddenly becoming only one of a handful of people to win the Big Four at the Grammys, and then realizing to yourself. I still could be considered disposable in this industry. And the swirling thoughts and kind of grim, depressing, like mo notion of that. Um, and it's captured beautifully uh, in this song, um, especially when her brother, uh, the words of her brother, um, and basically are become the calming warm factor of it. It's absolutely expertly crafted. I think the song is amazing. No, I'm muted. I'm muted now. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm a big Billie Eilish fan as well. Uh, don't let her exclusion for my list make you think that I'm not, uh, because I do have her a couple of her songs in my long list. Um, I think that everything I wanted is good. It is kind of more of the song type of song we're used to hearing from Billie Eilish, um, which is a good thing. I mean, again, her last album, fantastic. Uh, I think I, I might slightly prefer of these two, therefore I am, just because it's something a, a little bit different. But my future is probably the best one for me from this year. I, I really enjoyed that song and the tempo shifts and like sort of reggae feel that comes out in the second uh, half of that song is really cool, I think. And hey, the Bond song is pretty dope too, No Time to Die. So um, I think she ha she still had a really underrated year despite not dropping like, you know, the nuclear album like her debut was. Uh, and Zach. Here it comes. And you're muted. I always have to have the second half of the spare still there. You're welcome. Um, I feel like I've been maybe, I mean, I know I am unfairly dismissive of Billie Eilish. Um, I, have, I tend to have a real you think you're better than me attitude about teenage um, musicians and pop stars like um, because I've underachieved in my life and, and I should have lived a great life like they have. Um but I do think, especially Therefore I Am, is kind of the epitome of what turns me off with her, which is a little bit of like trying to act so cool and unique when it's not that cool and unique and almost like she thinks she's too good for the main pop world, even though she is also participating within it. Um, it's either embrace it or, you know, do something a little on the outside. Um, but the but everything is everything I am, or I'm confusing two titles, sorry. Everything I wanted, um, 
I think has opened my mind up to the possibilities of her as a musician. I think having a little bit of a gentle side there, um, a little more vulnerable. I mean, I, I, I know she's kind of a vulnerable musician, um, but I think it's hidden behind some of the pop players, but I think it kind of comes out there. And I, I actually do, did really enjoy that song. So. Yep. Um, all right. So now we go over to Kayla for your number seven. My number seven is uh, a continuation from Lauv's uh, uh, album, uh, His and Anne Marie's uh, Fuck I'm Lonely. Uh, I think it's the best song off that album uh, and my favorite love song, probably, period. Uh, this really, it, it's like, it's different tonally from the song he did with Troye Sivan. And I think that's a lot from Anne Marie. I think Anne Marie is a really unique artist that I really enjoy in the pop sphere. And to hear her voice mixed with Laws was really fun. To do this sort of dueling perspective of wishing for a relationship past uh, is doing this very kind of like, a uh, very rhythmically rich sort of song. Uh, I really like the lyrics. I think they play with the bounce of the song really well. Uh, yeah, I, I, this is my favorite love song. I, I enjoy it a lot. Yeah. Uh, Andrew. I will say I like this one better than the other one. But once again, I think love kind of creates the same song over and over again. Uh, Scott. I like this one. I, I like this one uh, definitely more. Not not just more than the the last one, but just in general, I enjoyed the song. I think it has a nice chill vibe to it. I like the combination of artists. I also think Anne Marie has some good stuff on her own, so I like seeing her pop up on this. And uh, yeah, no, this is this is definitely one of the ones from your list in this range that I enjoyed the most. Zach. Um. I find this song real lame. <laughs> I think it goes, you know, away from the title, which she repeats repetitively during the chorus. And, and, and I mean, it's a pop song. Maybe I'm expecting, you know, too much from the depth of it. Because I think melodically, it's at least instrumentally or production, production-wise, it's um, you know, it's fine. But it, the lyrics and the melody of his vocals isn't offering me anything special. Um, yeah, I'll kind of just echo everybody else. Uh, the melody is uh, it's very similar to what he has what he has done in the past. Uh, it works. It's it's good. Um, I do like the I do like the the attention to detail in terms of like uh, using using rests effectively and how you are able to effectively like effectively pause uh, during a song. Uh, so kudos to him for that. Uh, but now we go over to your number six. Uh. My my well right we do I just totally just blah, blah. I just totally bled on what my last one was wow hey, uh, Barbara, no, how does the show work uh, I don't know Barb why don't you tell me because uh, I clearly didn't even know my list uh, my <laughs> my number six is from my queen Demi Lovato it was the first single she released this year I was not expecting one it was called I Love Me. Uh, and it is one of the best self-love anthems I have heard all year. Uh, it's one of my favorite Demi Lovato uh, songs uh, of the many that she did this year in collaborations with others. Um, I thought this was a really fun return for Demi Lovato, considering the last song she left us with was Sober, which was like this really real, like rough, like kind of just sad song to to leave us with. And now she goes back with just this like really happy sort of self-love, like, hey, this is like the update. Like, I'm feeling a lot better, and I hope you are too. Uh, and it, I really enjoyed it. I, I listened to it a lot. It was a very, I think to me, that is my song of the summer for 2020 it, it, of all the summer songs that we had. That was the most summery vibe. Uh, and one of the, and the one of 
like the most summary song that also had like a good song behind it. Uh, that was the the top of the list for me. So yeah, uh, I love me Demi Lovato. Uh, yeah, I really love the song. Um, I think what puts Demi Lovato above those other ones that she is often compared to is how she is able to do both the breathy vocals, and you got that in the song, but then you really get her really get her range and really the depth of the voice th that she has. Her voice just sounds uh, so full. Um, one thing, I'm not a fan of the of like the like the marimba or like like the light keys that, that they're doing in the beginning. Just not my thing. Um, but yeah, she has a great voice, and uh, she can't really do a bad song in my eyes. Um, we'll go to uh, Zach. I think the production really drowns out her voice. It's doing a little, way, way too much to where um, she kind of just fades in the background. I know she has a powerful voice. I've seen Eurovision. I do like, um, <laughs> should pick that song. Um, I do like um, Coho having these back to back, fuck, I'm lonely and I love me. I like to pretend that he listens to these back to back every time. He's like, fuck, I'm lonely. I don't need nobody though. I love me. And that's what Coho does. <laughs> um, so. I support that choice. <laughs> I like Combo left for this. Um, oh, yeah. We're Demi Lovato. I sort of forgot what we were talking about for a second. Um, so I'll repeat what I said last time, kind of, which is that I'm not a fan of her as a person. I don't want to get into that, but I do enjoy her music. I think she has a, a very powerful voice. That is her strength as a, as a musician. And while I think this song is fine, I don't think it showcased that enough. Like, I don't think that it showcased that range that you're talking about enough, Brooklyn. So that's why it f probably falls a little bit lower in the pantheon of her songs for me. That's fair. Uh, and Andrew? This is probably in the upper group of strictly pop songs that she's made. I actually really much prefer her voice when she's doing, like, more pop rock. Um, but this is this is good. I like this one. Yeah, um, I don't know if Coho is here is uh, here to hear this, but uh, Monsters uh, I have listened to uh, exponentially more uh, since we have uh, since yeah. we have recorded since we have listened or yeah recorded that episode. Uh, but I believe we are now on to Scott uh, for your uh, ten through six. Yeah, Monsters is great. I echo that. Uh, my number ten. Uh, Midnight Sky, Miley Cyrus. This was a skip from last time, I think. Yep. So I think it stopped here now. Um, yeah, so Miley Cyrus has had a lot of interesting turns in her career. Um, I think was trying to figure out what kind of artist she wanted to be for a long time. She did like a weird album with Snoop Lion, and then her, like, her last album was uh, not very good at all. Uh, and finally, it seems like hopefully after this album, she has settled into doing a more rock-focused sound, um, which is definitely the feel of this album. With that being said, this song isn't exactly in that vibe. This is more of like a 80s disco, you know, type pop song. Honestly, this to me is the song which should have been the closing track on Dua Lipa's album instead of Boys Will Be Boys, which is kind of corny Whoa. in my opinion. But, it's the only bad song on that album. But anyway, this song is great. Uh, I think I love her voice. I think the like gravelly tone to her voice always adds something interesting, especially to, you know, a disco pop song like this. Um, I think the chorus has a great rhythm to it. And at the end, she really gets to show off. She does get to show off her range. Like, you know, we were talking about with Demi Lovato a little bit. 
um, and really belt out some of those final notes in the chorus. So uh, yeah, really great song. Um, yeah, so I ended up picking uh, the the duet that she did with uh, with Billy Idol uh, that is called that is called Nightcrawl. Um, I I like that sort of uh, that like glam rock glam pop uh, style that, that she's going for. Very reminiscent of Sh- of Cher. Um, and I think Nightcrawling has like everything that I love about like '90s. It's like almost a Euro pop um, w- with the beat. Um, and then just like the raw sort of power that you get from Billy Idol uh, during the chorus, and the subtleness that you get that you get uh, from from the ver- from the verses as well. Uh, the beat in this is, is is super sick, and I love the uh, I love the I love the synth riff uh, that comes in at the uh, at, at the end of the choruses. Um, as for Midnight Sky, I love the uh, I love love the baseline, and I and I do agree it is more that it is more that uh, that like '80s sort of uh, sort of dis- disco approach. Um, but I think disco's coming back, and I'll be talking about that a little bit later. Um, Andrew, your thoughts? Um, okay, so Brooklyn for your song, I think it's fine, but I think Billy Idol proves why. Um, he fits that song a lot better than Miley Cyrus does. Um, his voice just sinks into that rhythm and that beat so much better. Um, and like, she kind of gets shown up in it. Um, as for Midnight Sky, this is my favorite of the two. Um, this is, to me, this was more like of a Pat Benatar kind of feel. Um, and I, and I, I'm a big fan of Pat Benatar, so uh, this this uh, fit right into my wheelhouse. I think the only thing that held it back from making my list in general was I think the production is a little there. There's something off in the production, but I really like Midnight Sky a lot. Nice, uh, Zach. Yeah, um, this album I, I had trouble making it through, even though I admired her going for a different sound. It just not a sound that worked for me, but I do think. Um, you know, Scott's pick is probably the best song on it. Um, Pat Benatar, let me brought it up. It's kind of a, a un, unfairly forgotten like pop pop superstar in the eighties. Um, should get she should be right up there with the other ones. But um, I also um, alongside that, like this song at the end directly is going for Stevie Nicks. It was like straight up. It was like ooh, I know it's true. It's ooh, baby, ooh, said ooh from Edge Seventeen, and and I'm fine. I mean, if she wants to pick someone to try and emulate, let's emulate Stevie Nicks. I think it's a good. Um, aim for her career and we need more mainstream you know rock pop stars in the steve nicks vein that doesn't exist anymore so go for it marley nice um all right on uh go your thoughts uh surprisingly well well, he actually just messaged me he said that he likes midnight sky and he's okay with uh uh, brooklyn's pick can you ask him what he's doing and details and then read it on screen please (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll just have it on auto scroll um, on the bottom. Uh, but Scott, your number, uh, your number nine. Uh, so my number nine is "Out of Sight" by Run the Jewels, featuring Two Chains. Skip, 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 skip. All right. Uh, there's, there's no suspense in the yikes, the skips when we know what everyone's list is. But yeah, we're just waiting for that. But anyway. Uh, Okay, number eight, my second appearance on my list for Charlie XCX. This time it is her, uh, just a solo song, uh, and this one is called Anthems. Um, from her quarantine album, How I'm Feeling Now, uh, that she dropped like a month into quarantine, and I think despite being as big of a fan of her as I am, um, I was trepidatious about people making music 
were making any sort of art about quarantine while we were still in it, right? Like, I don't think anyone wanted to be reminded of that or have to think about that more than they already had to. Uh, but I don't know. She's just an incredible pop songwriter, and I think, and was able to somehow uh, craft this album that it is about being in quarantine, but never feels like depressing or cringy or like she's exploiting the moment or anything like that. And this song is just such a fun song. Uh, I don't know if anyone has seen Lovers Rock yet, the Steve McQueen movie, but this like gave me the same sort of vibes as like wanting to go out and like party with people again. And I don't even like doing that when the world is normal, but um, I think quarantine has helped me see things in a different light. But yeah, this song is about, you know, I want, I want to hear anthems again as the chorus and um, you know, being in a club, hearing, you know, songs blaring, whatever. And the, like when the chorus kicks in um, and the, that beat drops in, like it, as the chorus, you know, goes full force, that is like one of the best music moments of the year. Like it just makes you want to like headbang. And uh, yeah, so I, I love Charlie and this was definitely the standout from her album for me. Yeah, so I really like this song. Um, this is everything that I love about like early 2010, 2011, like pop slash dubstep. Um, this is like very reminiscent of all the stuff that we were that we would listen to at like the at like the high school slash like like slash early college uh, dances is when like dubstep and like like Skrillex and like uh, I remember like Saxo B was like was like, was like a big hit song at the time. Um, but yeah, it's like everything I love from that uh, transported into, into 2020. That's uh, a great job, uh, Zach. Your thoughts? Yeah. Um... Well, it's blasphemous to compare us to the masterpiece that is Lover's Rock, but other than that, um, this song makes me extremely anxious. Just like as soon as it starts off, it's just like so fast and hectic, and I like can't find my footing um, through it. It's kind of hard for me to even get through. So it's just it's just not a speed. That's for me. Uh, and- um, first of all, Charlie XCX. I love Charlie XCX. No kidding. One of my top ten favorite songs of all time is. Super Love by Charlie XCX. Wow, um, yeah, that's a deep cut, but I love that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, that song is fucking incredible. Um, and uh, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie, the first like two times, maybe three times, I heard this song, I was like, I like it, but I don't, I don't know about it. And then there was one time I was just walking somewhere, and everything just clicked into place. And yeah, this song's dope. Nice. Um, all right, Scott, on to your number seven. Uh, Yeah, so my number seven is the 1975 and their song Me and You Together song. Um, So the 1975 is another band for me, like I said about the Killers last time, that I like their collection of songs is, you know, top tier. But album-wise, I think they've yet to make that album. Um, And I was really hopeful that this album was going to be that album because the singles were really strong. Um, and it just didn't quite all come together. Um, I think they need to stop making eight minute tracks with, you know, six minutes of ambient noise and like spoken word and stuff in the middle of it. But anyway, this song was one of the singles, Me and You Together song, and it's it's fantastic. I think it's the type of like bedroom pop type stuff that they do really well. And uh, it's got some great storytelling in it. Um, it just, it's, it sounds like it's out of like a coming of age movie or something where like the character is in their room and, um, you know, thinking about life. I mean, the song is about like, you know, having a crush on someone who is your friend and, 
um, thinking about like your life, if you could ever get life with this person, if you could ever get them to, you know, love, love you the same way that you love them, um, which is not, you know, the newest sentiment ever, but I don't know. I think the songwriting is really sharp. There's some quotable lyrics here that I think, um, stand out. And yeah, I think Maddie Healy has one of the most interesting voices, um, among sort of like mainstream pop rock bands. So, uh, I'm a big fan of this song, which I had loved the album. Uh, we'll go to Zach first. No, sorry. Um, we, 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 okay. no, um, so 1975, um, someone I never gave much of a chance. He, the, the singer on Blake name right now is a pretty polarizing figure. And Matty Healy, yeah. Yeah, Matty Healy. And, and you know, that kind of throws him off a little bit, but it's also just not music for me. I got him some chances. Uh, um, and I don't, I don't know. It's cool that, um, that like, Pop rock can get some critical acclaim, but it also still this specific one just kind of bewilders me. I just am having trouble finding um, what is unique and special or um, about that that maybe critics and other fans are are finding. So, yeah. um, I I do like this song. Um, I get a very uh, Moffat like the Moffat sort of vibe, like like the like '90s sort of sort of soft rock soft rock feel. Um, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say it's like a like a like a, like a great song, um, but yeah, it definitely um, it definitely fits in fits in with that vibe. Um, and when and definitely when I'm in that mood, I think you gotta hit it hit it uh, right in the head. It's sort of like that bedroom sort of like uh, gazing contemplative uh, sort of uh, sort of sort of mood. I think would be the best sort of scenario for it. Um, Andrew, um, I don't know about this one. Like, I don't I don't think it's bad by any means. It's just that for me, when it comes to the 1975, like I like it when they kind of like are a little bit more risky when they do songs like "The Sound" or "Love Me." Um, so this is good, but I think it's just kind of good for the 1975. All right, cool. Um, now we go on to your number six, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I believe this is still going to be a skip. It's Dua Lipa, and my song that I chose was Levitating. Oh, yeah, we are still skipping that. All right. Yeah, we are skipping. <laughs> um, all right, on to Andrew uh, for your 10 through 6. All right, so uh, once again, I love me some good country music. Uh, and one artist that I think is really under no, like not well-known, uh, is Caitlin Smith. She released a fantastic album a few years ago. Uh, she released a new one this year, which was good, but kind of a lateral move. Um, however, the song Lonely Together on this album is really, really pretty. Um, it's got it's one of those piano ballad country songs, but that chorus is one of my favorite choruses of the year. That melody is super beautiful and super interesting. Caitlin Smith has this really unique, dynamic voice, um, which kind of just floats. Um, so it's just like a really beautiful song about being lonely together uh, with someone. Um, the the idea of kind of finding romance in that loneliness, but not it doesn't have to be necessarily like romantic romantic i'm being confusing but the song's super pretty 
Uh, Caitlin Smith really sells it very well. Um, and once again, that chorus is one of my favorites of the year. Um, yeah, this song is really cool. Uh, but one of my favorites uh, from your list, Andrew. Um, I actually really love the verse. I get a very heavy Frank Ocean vibe in like in just sort of like how she presents it as this like pseudo sort of spoken word. Um, if I were to critique it in any way, shape, or form, I will say there is a lot of separation from the verse and the chorus, and it's like almost two separate separate songs. They're both they're both great, but I just there there needs to be like like a pre-chorus or something uh, to kind of kind of connect them. Uh, go to Scott next. Um, I was ready to really like this one because again, I was I saw the artist and I was like female alternative country, you know, that's down my alley. But I don't know, the song just never really like took flight for me. Again, I think it's like the piano ballad thing, almost that I was commenting on with uh, with Coho and uh, Julia Michaels song. I, I just it just never like went to that next level where it was like sonically interesting to me. Even though I think the lyrics are fine, you know, their vocals are fine. It's just it was missing that spark. Scott, listen to the album she released before this. I think you might really like that one. Yeah, no, I'm not ruling out that I might like some of her other stuff. Uh, Zach? Yeah, I'm completely on the same boat as Scott, where I, I even listening to her, listening to a song, I can tell that she's going to have other songs that I think I'm going to be into, and this mm -hmm. is just the one that doesn't yeah, rise to level or have something that sticks out. It just, it just kind of sits there. It's a little on the sappier side, um, but I mean, I, what I always do, and I have new artists too, is I look at the like other people listen to this, and there's a lot of musicians and the like other people listen to this that like are right in the alley. Like albums never fully work for me, but there's a couple songs that I'm always just really into. So I know she has the potential to, to get there. It's just not this specific song. Um. All right, Andrew, on to your nine. All right, my number nine. <laughs> We're gonna stick in that alternative country lane uh, because it seems to be my favorite genre. <laughs> um, and uh, this is another guy who I think is super, like, uh, underappreciated, like, not well-known enough. His name is Rustin Kelly. Um, and uh, this is called Radio Cloud. Um, Rustin Kelly has just the, this really unique voice to him. Um, it's kind of, like, gravelly, but it's, like, paved over almost. Uh, and this is a song I don't know for sure. But I'm pretty sure that this song is about recovery, um, specifically from uh, drugs, uh, like a drug recovery, um, because he has a history of um, unfortunate substance abuse. Um, but that chorus is just soaring. Uh, the melody overall is just really tight and unique. Um, and that bridge is just great. That guitar that plays. It is just such an uplifting moment um, that this song, just by melody and like the music alone, would already put it on my list. But there are some lyrics in here that are just so memorable. Uh, and once again, Rustin Kelly kills it vocally. Um, what is Scott first? Yeah, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, I know about him from you, uh, Andrew, from bringing him up. Uh, I think maybe before on the, the other podcasts or, but also just individually you've showed me a song or two. Um, and yeah, I think uh, he has a really interesting voice. Again, the genre, I, I like alt country. And um, I think he has his, the, the gift of who I believe is his former partner, Casey Musgraves um, mm -hmm. for like raw and honest songwriting um, about hard topics sometimes. And so 
uh, I think that this one is definitely one that uh, will be on rotation for me after this uh, this podcast. Um, yeah, Andrew, you're two for two so far uh, on on the show. Uh, this is a really fucking great song. Uh, the chorus is a very uh, very anthemic, um, and I always appreciate country. I always appreciate artists in general, but just like specifically country artists that can pull off that lower that pull off that lower harmony. Um, everybody tends to go for like the higher third or even the fifth, and I find I find that choice to go for the lower one just gives it a really nice like depth uh and like kind of uh compliments his like his natural sort of like baritone sound um so yeah really nice song um and zach yeah um i never would have called this all country because it what it really does for me it gives me um somewhat traumatic flashbacks to the to say the, the early to mid 2000s um every now and then a big will hit a band will hit so big that that um, they start pulling out every kind of sound like band. And so when Coldplay hit really big, which I actually have a lot of appreciation for early Coldplay. I think Coldplay, I, I'm a fan. So I'm not going about the trash film, but, um, but they brought out all the kind of copycats came out after Coldplay hit bigger parachutes, where it's like the fray yeah. and five are fighting and keen. And yeah. I just like, I like shut down. There's a period of music. I just like, the, couldn't I don't actually like the three of them. Oh, okay. But uh, but this song kind of just like the earnestness of it threw me right into that that spectrum that maybe I, I shut down a little too quick on it. But <sighs> no. um, yeah, 100 years for a moment uh, is, is a pretty good five for fighting song. Um, Andrew, now go to over to your number eight. All right. Uh, so my number eight. Uh, I'm, I'm expecting a skip for this one. Uh, it's called Georgia by Katie Pruitt. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a skip. Yeah, figured it much. Mm. Um, all right, and you're number seven. All right, my number seven uh, is by an artist that I really like a lot. Um, this album that they released, I, I liked, but not as much as their last album. However, this song stood out immediately once I heard it. Uh, it's called On the Floor by Perfume Genius. Uh, it's kind of got this 50s kind of like guitar to it, but it's got these really beautiful vocals um, from Perfume Genius. And the production just floats on air. Um, that it, The rollicking guitar throughout this entire thing is like the main thing that really draws me in on here. Um, however... The melody structure of the chorus is dynamite, especially when he gets to the um, and cross out his name on the page. Just like those little sharp beats in between each word just really hook you in. Um, I think that this song is dope. Yeah, um, so three for three. <laughs> um, in, in, in great songs. Uh, this is a really good psychedelic, psychedelic rock tune. Um, I, I get I get that in the end, especially with like the offsetting guitar solo. Uh, it is very out there, uh, and it and it works. I like this sort of natural sway that you get with it, like the like the upbeat tempo. Um, this is a very good shed shed song. Um, and I'll let you guys uh, sort of uh, figure out the definition of a shed song uh, to kind of keep it peachy friendly. Um, but yeah, uh, Zach, your thoughts. 
Yeah, I love Perfume Genius. I've been a big fan for a long time. This album is probably my top 25 albums, which when I noticed, and that's how um, deep of the year for songs it was for me, that none of his songs made my top 100, that a lot of my favorite albums had zero songs in my top 100. Some of them, just like every song, functions really well together, and there's like, like a lot of good emotion shifts. I think he's kind of a master of the emotional shift throughout an album. Um, but yeah, this, this song, it's probably the standout on the, the album, and I'm really happy he got the the book smart bump um, last year and he's yeah. getting some more, more notoriety. So. Um, all right. And Scott. Yeah. Perfume Janus is someone who I've known about his music for a while now uh, from a friend of mine. And he's one of those artists that like, every time I hear a song, I really like it, including this one. Uh, but, and I, I think I've said this with, with Waxahachie last week too, that like, I just need to sit down and listen to their discography. And I'm sure I would be, um, an even bigger fan. And actually I did listen to the Waxahachie album from this, uh, year and it was amazing. So, um, but as far as this song, it's great. I love the like funkiness to it. Um, and, uh, yeah, he has a very unique voice and, uh, it's, it's a super fun song and, uh, yeah, you're two for three for me, Andrew, <laughs> in this range. Muted. Muted. Can Andrew go at least three for four uh, with his number six? For Scott, maybe. For Brooklyn, I don't know if I'm going to get that five of five. Um, so I think I'm about to start getting a reputation as someone who's not appreciative of, like, vibe music. Um, but uh, if you add a little bit of rock credibility to it, I can get right down behind it. Um, there's a song called Killer B-Side Music uh, by this group called We Are The City. Um, lyrically, it's kind of weird. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Lyrically, it's kind of weird. Um, but this song shot to my number six purely for the production, the delivery, and the instrumentals. Uh, because I don't know the name uh, of this dude uh, who's the lead singer, but dude, this is good. This guy's voice is great. Uh, the dynamic in his voice, like the way that he can control, like the different levels is really great. Especially when he gets to that screaming part uh, right before these crashing drums, this roaring, ripping guitar line. And like, it just sounds amazing. Like, you listen to this song in like the middle of like a long drive in the pitch black of night, and this song wallops you with the power that it has. Um, but the build up to it is so perfect because it's kind of smooth and sedate almost. But then it gets to that part, and everything just roars. And that bridge, that uh, instrumental bridge, is dope. I think that this song is awesome. Uh, Zach, um, I just really did not need the ambient version of Death Leopard in my life at all. Um, it, it, so for the most part, it's like the song somehow like it just accomplishes nothing, and then and then the, the chorus hits and then brought back to eighties um, shit rock. Uh, and and I, I don't know, maybe that's what they're going for, but I I, I feel like they just misaimed. I feel like that's not what they wanted. Uh, Scott. Uh, yeah, I mean, I find this song at least interesting because of those like 
cacophonous parts that you were talking about where all of a sudden it turns into, you know, screeching, you know, rock metal almost. Um, but not something that I see myself returning to, to be honest, like some of the, the other songs we talked about here recently. Yeah. Um, Andrew, you've gone four and a half or five. I okay. wouldn't say I hate this song, um, but it's definitely, I'm definitely going to need that like driving home, driving home late at night experience to get, I think to get the full um, aesthetic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, to be, to be determined at a later date, I guess you would say for like a full interview. Um, now we go on to your number six, I believe. I'm not no, that was my number six. Oh, sorry. Number six. Uh, so now we go on to my, uh, my 10 through six. Uh, and oh yeah, sorry, you had to skip from earlier. That's right. Um, so uh, on to my number ten. Uh, very similar to my number twenty. Kind of a oh shit, they're actually making music uh, still. Uh, and it is uh, Smack- Smashing Pumpkins, uh, and this is their title track uh, from their uh, from record this year, uh, Seer, C Y R. Um, so this is a sort of a sort of a harder new wave uh, record. Um, I I caught it. I caught it one night um, after work at like two, three in the morning. Um, it's like, oh, this this will be interesting. Um, so I threw it on, and I and this was the first song that uh, sort of caught my attention. Is like, oh shit, I need to figure out what what this song is. Um, and it just has like this really cool, uh, really cool vibe. And I just I love the um, I love the synths in it, and I love this sort of progression that Smashing Pumpkins um, has done. Um, I what I didn't really I didn't catch them at quite the right age um, whenever they had their big boom in the 90s. Um, but I do love this um, this it's it's one of the more successful futuristic evolutions of these of these bands uh, from from the time period. Uh, I, I think it's really cool. Uh, and they should, everybody should check it out. Uh, Andrew, your thoughts. Um it's definitely different than most Smashing Pumpkin songs. Um. See, I'm one of those guys who prefers like Siamese Dream and Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness and things like that. So, um, while I think that they're doing a better job than most acts who do this kind of stuff, um, it just doesn't compare to all their other stuff, and I can't help but to compare it to that. That's right. Uh, Zach? Yeah, Bar Sadie's one of those guys that likes the only albums they're known for. It just means you're like every guy. <laughs> but um, I, I I wanted to like this a lot. I, I made it about a quarter through their album where it's like, it's a, like an hour, 20 minute long album. And I just wasn't vibing with it. It was all kind of just melting together. Maybe my attention wasn't there. But I, I think this, you're right on point saying it had a new wavy vibe. And I just don't know if that's the right vibe for Billy Corgan's voice. His voice is just filled with angst that needs one of those more angsty genres or hidden behind the, you know, the big um, guitars that Smashing Pumpkins, um, you know, was doing in the 90s. But So it's fine, but... Okay. Uh it's Scott. Yeah, uh, so I also in, very much enjoy like the Smashing Pumpkins classic stuff. Um and I didn't realize that they had gone in this direction. And then like I started listening to the song and like the synths came in at like the start and I was like, oh God, what are we doing here? But they actually pulled it off, I think, uh more or less. Like I enjoyed the song. I think it's catchy. I do kind of agree with what Zach's saying that I feel like the production like smoothed over Billy Corgan's voice a little bit too much and like took some of the uniqueness out of it maybe um, that uh, I think 
you know, was so defining in their early classic music. Um, so I don't know if it would hold up over the course of an album, but standalone, this song was was uh, a lot better than I was expecting. Um, all right, so now we go over to my number nine. Uh, this was probably one of the one of the later picks uh, on my list, uh, and it is uh, "Weekends" by Honey Motel. Uh, so I have never heard of these guys uh, before before this year. Uh, I just kind of looked up uh, new releases in rock uh, for the year in terms of like just do- doing some research, uh, and this is like my favorite um, from those from those finds. Um, it's just everything that I love about like harder indie rock that like you would get from get from like these like but from like these pubs pubs or, or bars. Um, and I like the sort of like live aspect. I of, of of everybody on my list, this is probably the band that I want to see live uh, next. I hope they hope they come in, into the area. Um, very killers esque um, in like in like the pre chorus and the chorus and how they have like these like these like long synth notes to sort of uh, carry everything out. Um, but yeah, uh, kind of a, kind of a random dark horse uh, needle in a haystack find uh, that I didn't expect. Um, Zach, your thoughts on, uh, on the song. Um, it, it's fine. Um, I think it blends in with a lot of other pop art, specifically like British um, pop art that comes out. I did. There's like some notes that remind me of new radicals. And when, when it gets, when I get those notes, it just brings off positive vibes, new radicals um, holds up. Just, just you, you only get or you get whatever. But so the the parts that remind me of that I was really into, but otherwise it's not that same. Nice, uh, Scott. Um, yeah, I think I need to listen to this one again because hearing you talk about the influences makes me think that maybe I missed something. But I don't know. This one just kind of came and went for me, and like I saw that it had like twelve thousand listens on Spotify. Like that was it, only like twelve thousand, and I was like, well, this is either going to be like. A hidden gem or i'm gonna understand why it only has twelve thousand plays and at least on a first listen i think i lean more towards the the latter camp just because i don't see what sets them apart um from similar groups but you know maybe a re-listen would change that that's fair uh andrew um this is good it's definitely one of those songs where i want to hear it live because I bet that it's way better live. Um, so I think this is good, but I bet it's better. Okay. All right. Um, now we go on to my number eight. Uh, and now we go into, or go, sorry, we'll go back into the, uh, into the 2000 sphere uh, with a little bit of Elton John flair. Uh, that is the gorillas uh, with the pink phantom. Uh, so this song also uh, features, as, as I look for it here, uh, it features uh, Elton John as well as uh, as uh, Six Black or Black. Um, I'm not quite sure how you uh, how you say his name. It's it, literally it, it's just Black. Black. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, this is really like I think out of um, Gorilla's uh, comfort zone. It's a very like somber, slow, slow sort of ballad. You have this bouncing bass. Um, and then you have uh, you have Elton John come in, and like as I was listening to it, um, Elton John was sort of like a like a, like a surprise discovery. And I just love what he has done in terms of like almost like a post career, where he just sort of pops in everywhere and is always a fan of expanding music and trying trying out these these different sounds. Um, 
This is very like low, low vibe, not typically like a Brooklyn brand song. Um, but yeah, there's just something that, that I get, that I get about it that I just like, I just kind of sit back and, and relax and, and find, and find peace in it. Um, we'll go to Andrew first. Your thoughts. Um, uh, that was interesting. Um, so, I, I there's something about this song that I just can't click with for some reason. It it just doesn't connect with me. It, it I don't know if it's like the overly somber mood. I don't know if it's like the production because it's a little it's a little canned. Um, I. I don't know what it is about this song that just doesn't click with me. And I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't been a fan of Gorilla's recent work. Like, I I thought most of it's just been okay, but, like, nothing since Plastic Beach has really, like, really got me. Uh, Zach? Yeah, uh, Damon Auburn has somehow became, like, one of the most experimental pop stars we have. He really just, like, throws whatever shit at the wall, and, and sometimes it sticks and sometimes it doesn't. I think he's gotten, like, especially just, like, kind of messy. Like, it just needs a little more polished and organized, which is some of the ideas just aren't working. Like, Ellen John just does not work with the soundscape. He was trying something unique to work with it, I just don't... It, it, it seems like it comes out of nowhere and catches me off guard and it's out of nowhere. But sometimes it really works. Super fast jellyfish for life. Best song everywhere. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, and Scott. Yeah, I mean, I always enjoy when Elton John pops up on stuff, especially nowadays. I think his voice is very interesting now how it has changed. Uh, like when he was on that Fallout Boy song, that was really cool. Um, but I, beyond that, I'm not sure the song has much to offer. I've never really gotten into Gorillaz either, despite their popularity and acclaim. Um, and I think if if some if I'm going to listen to something that is this sort of slow, I it needs to have super interesting lyrics, and I don't feel like the song really ever got there. Okay, that's fair. Um, all right, my number seven is still a skip. I picked Don't Start Now uh, from Dua Lipa, but, it, but that is skip. going to be... Uh, uh, and now we go to my number six, which is like kind of a cheat, uh, because it was a release, it was released as a single in 2019, but it was featured on the 2020 album. Uh, and it is uh, Sam Smith uh, and Normani's uh, Dancing with a Stranger. Um, so I think this song is really fucking cool. I'm not a massive fan of Sam Smith, like previous work in terms of like his vocal quality and like the production choices that he's made. Um, but I just get a general like saxophony sort of quality from from both of them, with Sam being being this like really like fun sort of like tenor, um, and then Normani has this like very uh, very like uh, very filling and very uh, very like bottom heavy uh, like tenor almost. Um, and I just love everything that they're doing. Normani definitely has the um, ha has the has the better performance, um, but this is one that you can sort of just like turn off, uh, or turn off, like close your eyes, like in in that in that club setting, um, and just kind of be taken taken away taken away with this. Um, we'll go to uh, we'll go to Scott first. Um, I'm not a Sam Smith fan, and unfortunately, this song did not make me into one. Uh, I just think he's one of those artists where like. The voice is the whole attraction, and when you actually like 
listen to like his voice covers up a lot of like i think just the very basic deficiencies in his music which is that there's nothing really that interesting production wise or instrumentally or in the lyrics it's just kind of standard sad boy ballads um and i just didn't feel like this uh song really elevated that despite the contribution of normani who was a fine addition to the song uh zach yeah, I I enjoy it enough, and I, I kind of like what Sam Smith does. My my issues, I wish it got a little bigger. I think his best songs is probably his two biggest songs, "Stay with Me" and "Pray," have um, a little bit of just a grander quality to them. This one sits down a little bit. I just I, I I feel like it's urging to break out. He just always feels like he's urging to break out a little a little grander than he is. So I feel like it's repressed, and that holds the song back. Okay, uh, I like this song a lot. Um. It's probably uh, Sam Smith's best song, uh, if I'm going to be honest. However, it's not being rude to stay with me. It's a great song. <laughs> uh, stay with me. Is, stay with me is just slowed down. I won't back down. Um, but um, yeah, think about that, Coho. Think about that fact. It's just the exact same speed. But let's let's go. <laughs> but um. Honestly, there's a group called Emotional Oranges who does this kind of song better um their album their two eps from last year are dope check those out okay um and coho your thoughts um i dug the song i really kind of like a lot of the songs that sam smith puts out um palace was one that didn't get a lot of play that that was really good um but i i enjoyed this one this was this had this kind of like kind of nice beat this sort of nice sort of Kind of, not really, but kind of disco sensibility. Uh, so uh, I vibe with it. Um, it's definitely a cheat. Uh, and I also did the same thing. So I can't get too mad. Uh, so. Um, all right. Uh, now we go over to, uh, to Zach's portion, your 10 through 6, as he dances in excitement. He's listening I, to Moby right now. I'm listening to Moby right now. I feel real lame having Moby, but sometimes I gotta own up to my true self. And Moby has some real fucking jams. And there's nothing better than me having a, a weirdly late night at work and it gets dark early, which is great because the sun is is um, it, the villain of, of my reality. Um, so when it is it, it, nice dark ride home. Home at like 5.30 p.m. I have Theo in the back, 45-minute ride, and we just like blast, fucking rise up in love by Moby. Theo's pumping his fist, at least in my mind. I'm pumping my fist, hitting that roof. Um, Theo's definitely going to like be deaf at an early age. I'm playing this stuff like real loud. Um, it's just a great car song. Um, I meant to be prepared and have the vocalist who sings a few songs um, um, on this album, um, but she definitely, I think it, when he works with a female vocalist of that vibe, it brings the um, you know, the best vibe of a Moby song that you can have, which is it's like still a club song and could be a party song, but it has this kind of dramatic, um, melancholy um, vocals with it as well that just brings you down to earth a little bit that you need. Um, but mainly the song is a hit hit the roof of your car. Um, and, and Theo has danced to it. This it has happened. So now to me it's his favorite song. This is a side of Zach that I'm not used to seeing, and I like it. Um, it's very like polar opposite of what we would consider like normal Zach. Um, yeah. So when like when you met, when you had like Moby in your list, it kind of threw it threw me off guard for a second. Um, but I'm impressed. Uh, it's like a very like turn your brain off club club banger. 
Um, Andrew, uh, go to your go to your next your thoughts. Uh, I really like this one. Um, I the only problem I have with it is that it's just like a little too long. It could have been like snipped just nah, like a whole it should be bit. like ten minutes. No, 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 no. <laughs> you can pump your fist all you want. You're not going to convince me that this should be longer. Um, it, it's over five minutes. Um, but that's my only problem with it. And if that's my only problem with it, this is pretty cool. Uh, Scott. Yeah, this is like a specific mood, specific time and place song for me. Like I couldn't listen to it all the time, but maybe in a scenario similar to what Zach described, although like I don't have a child, so not like completely one-to-one, but um, in, in certain scenarios, certain times and places, maybe it's that, you know, drive, late night drive or something. Um, I could see myself putting this on and raging a little bit, even though I think Moby from all accounts is kind of a trash human. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, Echo. Uh, it's good. I actually completely agree with Zach on this one. It's a very good car song. So, um, all right, on to number nine. Yeah, another fucking banger. I have all my bangers at the top here. Uh, it's Feel It by Georgia. Great album. I would say the best pop album of the year. Um, she is, you know, British um, pop singer. This song especially, I think, has a little bit of this, like, British, um, like, not pop punk. I'm going to go punk pop. Because <laughs> it's just, uh, I'm trying to mean something different that I don't have a word for. There's just like a grit to it and like a speed to it. That's just very like train spotting in a way. Um, uh, it, it like it's like London urban kind of quality to it, it and it just really you know hypes me up it's a great morning song gets me ready for the day um I'm going to talk about the the Spotify clips a few times on the show today but the three second Spotify clip on this is um like three female drummers just like going at it on the drum set and um that it just matches perfectly with the song it makes me ready to um conquer their world nice uh go to uh scoffers yeah, so I had heard this one before. I actually had listened to this album and this artist uh, prior to the show and very much enjoyed it, um, the the album. Uh, I do think there are some songs that I like a little bit more, like Ray Guns and Started Out are, I think, really fun songs. Uh, but I agree with the sort of vocal quality that Zach is talking about um, that I think adds something extra to uh, her music and so it's not my favorite pop album of the year, certainly. Um, but uh, I I was glad to see this one get some recognition because, uh, you know, I didn't have any of the songs on my list, of course. Yeah. Uh, Andrew. Um, this song's dope. I really like this a lot, actually. Um, I love the kind of griminess to it. Uh, it I just feel sweaty listening to it. <laughs> um, but you know what? Like, I... It's like a good, like, raging pop song. Uh, yeah, this is dope. I like this a lot. Um, I think this might be... I think Scott will like this whenever I say it. I think this is the perfect lead-up song to I Don't Care. Um, just has a very similar sort of vibe where this is, like, very much... This could be very much the setup. Uh, it's really... It's yeah, really I, cool. I love it. Yeah, I love this. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I, like, I like how it sort of drops off from the intro, and then it kind of gives you this, like very very eerie sort of sort of feel um again very not zach 
Um, and I like this off-brand sort of uh, sort of picks in the bottom uh, in the bottom portion of the ten through six. Uh, Coho, your thoughts? Um, it's fine. It's fine. I like it. Like it's my vibe. It's not bad. It just wasn't one that I I had heard prior to the list, so therefore it doesn't make it. I'll be honest. The person on this list who gives me songs that are the most in my vibe that I just ever heard is Zach. Like he's yeah. got my he's he's got my vibe down. So. <laughs> Um, all right, on to your number uh, eight, I believe. Yeah, we're keeping the like some Nat's Nat Zachcorn music going on. I don't know why they all. I, I when I rage my playlist, I do feel like there's a lot of consciousness of, of the groupings of songs because otherwise, it, it you know, what's the difference between ten and six really? Um, <laughs> so uh, my number eight is "I Got Money Now" by Deontay Hitchcock. Um, maybe not my favorite rap album of the year, but there's three songs that could all three be my favorite um, hip hop rap songs um, of the year. Um, am I out of order? No, I'm right. Okay. Um, it has, there's two samples I'm going to talk about. Um, this is, you know, one of the two best samples I think of the year um, of Minnie Ripperton, um, like Light Floor, I think is the name of the song. Um, it, it really works, you know, with the vibe of it. It kicks me right in. I was walking into um, at school that I work at as a teacher. Um, it was our first day of the kids being on quarantine, us teaching virtual. And um, I, I had like my hoodie on, my headphones in. I, I always look like I, work at a record store. This is the, <laughs> the, how I had to deal with um, my midlife crisis. I just look not like a teacher. Um, and I, I like walked in with like coffee in hand, scone in the other hand, playing I Got Money Now. Um, is no kids in school. And it was like a real, real quarantine vibe for me going in. Um, so it, it's just, eh. and I do think that I like up front, uh, like a, it could be seen as a brag rap song, which you know, it's not my um, vibe at all, but it's a lot deeper than that. It's much more of like, I have money now as a sense of relief of like what you, um, you know, don't have to deal with anymore. It's really not that you have like tons of money spent, but I have like enough money to survive now, which is the, the, the vibe of the song doesn't make it seem like that, but, but the whole I got a $2,000 stimulus check maybe is what it should have been called. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's much more like, it's much more I think around that. It's like, I don't have to eat peanut butter sandwiches for lunch anymore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it is where the song is going. Um, so it, it does add, you know, personal story and heartfelt to it, even though the, the I got money now verse can make it seem a little more simpler than it is. Um, yeah, uh, I'll get my thoughts right out of the way, and I'll, I'll pass it off to, to the rest of them. Uh, this is a this is very much a uh, shed song, um, in particular uh, the last verse. Whatever I yeah, literally the the, the last verse. Um, if you, if you look at it, it is it is very much uh, a, a shed song. It's awesome. Um, I like the um, I like the beat, um, which I normally am not a fan of trap, uh, but it kind of works in this way. Um, but yeah, uh, Coho, your thoughts on that? Oh, I liked it a lot. I'll be completely honest. This is this is another one that it was like, yeah, I was not expecting this to be one that Zach would have though. Uh, like I was listening, I'm like this. I was like, is this? I was like, I'm going to make sure I was like at the right list. Uh, no, this was a this was a fun one. I like it. Uh, so. This is probably my favorite song on Zach's list overall. Um, this song is so good, dude. It, it here's what I love about this the most. It does the look how much money I got, where I am in my life now, versus where I was before. Real good. There are so many artists who try to do this kind of song, and it just fails because 
the hard come up that they had sounds really, doesn't sound great either it doesn't sound great or they don't talk about their come up at all it's just bragging about how much money they have this does it really well i think the song is dope and Scott. yeah good song uh this is very much like the style of hip-hop that i'll still listen to there i, I don't listen to hip-hop as much as i used to just because i think some of the modern trends in uh, where hip hop music is going are not that interesting to me, but this is definitely in the uh, the vibe that I will listen to, along with another group that is going to come up later on someone else's list. But um, yeah, so I enjoyed this one. Muted. Uh, muted. Yeah, man, that's a big like, third third time now. I've, I've been muted. Everyone drink. Yeah. Uh, yep. No. <laughs> no. Uh, no, it's we're having candy. Uh, we, we're not drinking. We're having candy. Uh, I don't have any candy on me, though, uh, so it may have to be like chocolate or something. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Zach, you're number seven. Yeah, now we get in the, the back in the Zach core. <laughs> this is a, it, it's a, a pretty, pretty Zach core song. This is um, Porridge Radio. Um, long, um, great album. Um, it has the right level of, like, aggression or angst um, for me. It, it, it you know, it's a... North British um, band and singer, and, and you can definitely hear her voice in her accent, which I'm just a sucker for. There's another song where she says, I'm happy like eight times, and like no one pronounces happy as good as British because it's like you can hear the ah and the ah um, at like the same time. It's remarkable. So I'm obsessed with her accent. But um, as, as a song, anyways, uh, it just has like a driving. Um, you know, perpetual force to this song that that, that builds night. Right. There's another song coming up that has the same effect on me, and and it's almost like an anxiety decrease in a way. It's the kind of song that you can just kind of let out all your not not anger, but 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 your your harsh moods um, into and just take take the negative energy out. You know, throughout the song as it builds, and it's great to sing along or yell along with it as it gets to the end. But um, Chord Radio, great album, great um, kind of up and coming band that people should check out. So. Um, I guess a uh, I got a very heavy Smiths vibe, Smiths vibe from this, um, and very much so in the way that like I love I love the music, and I'm not as big of a fan on on, on the vocals. Um, it is really cool. It, it is in it is in my alley of sort of like early early 2010s, um, uh, kind of almost similar to like Lana Del Rey. Um, in, in a way, Scott might be able to uh, confirm or deny that comparison. Um, actually, I'll go to that Scott now. Uh, no, uh, is it kind of like Lana Del Rey, or am I crazy? You're crazy. No, I, yeah, you're crazy. Yeah, I didn't get that vibe. For me, this sounded more. Yeah, this sounded more like uh, I don't know. Like there, there's like a, a subset of like female indie rock, like. I don't know, Angel Olsen or Sharon Van Etten or somebody like that. That I, And even another artist that you're going to mention later, Zach. What if you like so Indie Rockify Zombie by Cranberries? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's one of those things that I like, I appreciate it and I feel like I should be more into it than I am. And there's the occasional song that comes along that I like actually do really like, but I don't know. I, I find the other song of this ilk on your list a little bit more interesting. All right, uh, Coho. Um, it's good. Uh, 
It's good. <laughs> I, I like them all. Like, I don't have anything bad to say about any of these songs today. So I, I feel like I really have nothing to contribute to everyone else's list. They're all good. Like, I actually enjoy basically every song on everyone's list. Wow, wow, we wow. Wow, we wow. My life is good. Very nice. On to, uh, on to Andrew. <laughs> I think this is not good. Nap. Um, I, uh, yeah, this is fine. Um, it's definitely. I'm just gonna end it at it's fine. It, it, it's not bad. Um. All right, Zach. Your next song. Um. Yeah. So my next one is Moses. Um. Somnies, bless me. This is possibly he his most accessible song, at least off this album. Um. In a way, it's, it's a pretty long album, but I I recommend it wholly. Um. Very interesting musician. He's kind of combining a lot of what like Sufjan does with like and Boney Bear with also like Frank Ocean and, and mixing in you know all the, these vibes but adding his own touch to it, own experimental touch um, as well. So this song really expresses the vulnerability of his voice. Um, that I think is especially unique to him, um, and it, I think it has the most. I don't know, like pop sensibilities and it, it's rise near the end. That's when it gets like slightly, I don't want to say Sam Smithy, but it, it, it kind of does to where um, it feel, you feel awoken in a way. It's, it's I would say the most like, in, it's not inspirational in a way of the lyrics or things, but just in the vibe um, just kind of makes you feel refreshed that like the first half is kind of release of the pains and then it just gets so grand and open that it reminds you at least you know you're still alive and life is great but great song yeah uh andrew um i it's one of those songs that i i get it and i wish i liked it more than i do okay uh scott yeah, this is not my genre, kind of as I talked about last week, really. Um, I see the points you're making about it does have, you know, somewhat of a pop sensibility, maybe like the Sam Smith thing, but not a fan of Sam Smith. Uh, call back to earlier in this episode. So um, I, this one, the deck was kind of stacked against me. Okay, um, I do I do, I do kind of like it. Um, I like the I like the vibe, the um, that that it go that it goes for it uh, it is very reminiscent of sort of that Sufjan Stevens style. Um, this is a word that I have not used to describe music in a while. I think it's kind of I'm I'm almost overwhelmed um, at, at at times. I feel like there's just a lot to digest, um, and I think this will take like multiple listens to sort of really like uh, appreciate everything um, that, that's going on. Uh, but that's what I like about Zach Core is that it's kind of like Zach Core is like onions. There's there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of layers. Um, uh, was, was was that a good shark joke? Did, did, did I know? Um, all right, I think we're on to uh, to Caleb's number five, if I am not mistaken. Uh, I believe we are, which is my own cheat. Uh, I uh, completely uh, borrowed uh, from the um, the the uh, the rule book of uh, of Brooklyn Vale uh, and took a song that was a single in two thousand and eighteen uh, and did not appear on an album until this year. Uh, and that would be Halsey's Without Me, um, which is my favorite song from the year in which it was a single. Uh, I thought it, the, it would feasibly be number one, 
this year too. I just, I held it lower because it's not technically 2020. Uh, but I really love this song. I think it's the best song Halsey's ever made. And it's the one that really kind of exploded Halsey to a different level. Um, and it sort of started her new trajectory of, of kind of sad music. Uh, and I think it's the, it still remains probably her best outing in it. Cause it's also, I think her most visceral, emotional sort of, uh, she definitely had something to get out with this song. Uh, and, and it, it retains that power every time you listen to it. So yeah, uh, all these without me made my list because I'm a cheater. <laughs> um, we'll go to, go to Scott first. Uh, yeah, I really like this one. Uh, I talked last time about how I used to re be really into Halsey, haven't been as much into her recent stuff. And actually this song, I wasn't super into it at first. Um, but then when I re-listened to it a couple of times after seeing it come up on your playlist, I was like, yeah, I'm glad I gave this a second chance because uh, it's 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 a solid song. I still think her best stuff is from that first album. But um, I think like at least her, her last couple albums have at least had some decent singles on it. This is definitely in that category. Um, yeah, so I'm not, I'm not quite sure how to feel about the song. Um, obviously, with this coming out in 2000, 2018, uh, I was kind of like, I was in a really shitty place in terms of like, in terms of like a job. Uh, so I was very angry, very angry all the time. Um, so kind of like looking back on it, maybe this is like a, a proper song to listen to during that time. But I just always associate it with like a really like weird time in my life. Um, Andrew. Boy, does this song wish it was Cry Me a River by Justin Timberlake. Um, we're gonna have to the fucking fight now, bro. It. Top hands. It it to the point where it samples it. It she, Justin Timberlake is literally credited as a writer of this song. Um, yeah, this song. Cry me a river's better. Wrong. Um, wrong. No, no, he's right. He's right. Uh, uh, wrong. Yeah, you, uh, yeah. The, they they take way more chances and they work out. You need Timberlake you more tit. Yeah, you're right. Uh, no, no, sir. No, Supplies is Justin Timberlake's worst hit. Let's supplies be honest. Is, supplies is at least not NSYNC light. Anyway. We are, uh, we, are, we, are taking, we are taking this We are taking this to the highest court imaginable, uh, the Lucas chat. Uh, in the meantime, Scott, <laughs> your thoughts on what that it is just Zach and Lucas chat. What the fuck? Yeah, you have what happened with judges of this chat here, and you don't give him his respect. Invalid. Zach's on my side. I officially win. Hey, Zach, so. get fucked. <laughs> it's not my turn. I already went. Uh, it's right, Zach's turn. Yeah. Um, I I like um so I listened to the song earlier today. I listened to it as I was getting a beer, and I already forgot what this song is. That's okay. <laughs> Um, all right, on to uh, on to Scott now for your five. All right, it is time for Taylor Swift. Uh, my number five, um, and I said this last time, but I disqualified Evermore because it came out after I already um, made my list. So I was kind of went into this with like everybody knows I love Taylor Swift. I don't need to like beat the dead horse by picking like eight songs for my list. So I'm gonna pick one. And the one that I chose from Folklore, obviously, was The Last Great American Dynasty, um, because I think that um, it encapsulates what I love about her music. And honestly, despite all of her stylistic changes over the years, and obviously this album and Evermore were big stylistic changes from what she'd previously been doing, uh, bringing in like Aaron Dessner and stuff to 
produced from the national and um uh, but but the her gift for storytelling has been there all along like from the beginning of her country roots through the pop era and it's still there and i think this song really showcases that it's a it's a song about the home where she uh lived in, in i think it was her pennsylvania home maybe um uh or actually it might be where she lives in nashville now i don't know but um it's a song about one of the homes that she has, you know, the perks of being a star, I guess. But uh, if you watch the Long Pond Sessions on Disney+, Plus, which everyone should, um, the, which is the folklore concert film, um, she talks about how this was like, she, she wanted to write this as like basically a classic country song concept where like you are singing about, like you're telling a story and then you get to the end of the song and you're like, and that person was me or, and that person was my dad. And that's exactly what happens in the song because uh, you get to the bridge of the song, which is phenomenal, phenomenal bridge. She, she has like one of her, that's another thing that I love about her music. She has some like amazing bridges in her songs uh, that like you could just make a playlist of Grace songs with, with great Taylor Swift bridges. But, um, and then like she gets to the end of the bridge and reveals that, Hey, uh, this whole story that I've been telling about this, like American tragedy about this family, this is actually about the house where I live now. And she's like sort of drawing parallels between their lives and hers. And, uh, you know, saying the loudest woman uh, you've ever met, you know, talking about herself and how she's portrayed sometimes in the media. So it has all of the hallmarks of a, of a great Taylor Swift song. Um, and Folklore was full of those. It was an incredible album. Uh, it was hard to pick one, but I think, this one again was kind of the hallmark of what I love about her music so much. Uh, what a co for your, your your thoughts first. Absolutely, uh, folklore is is one of the best uh, albums that she's put out. I really enjoyed it, um, and I think it, it it's the the things I love about both folklore and Evermore are that uh, she's really taking the time to just tell stories which she's always done but do it with all without all the glitz and the glam that her last albums have had and just kind of strip it back to just be these stories uh and wow. and this is uh and, okay uh and this is this is my favorite one on that album uh i love both the projects uh i just personally couldn't pick one uh it was really hard to pick one off of folklore that i loved the most so i i ended up not putting one uh because they were all like nobody put one I know. Uh, I also I like the one she did with Bon Iver. That one was really close to making my list as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, great album, great pick. Um, Andrew. Um, so I really like this album a lot. Right. Um, and this song is pretty dope. Uh, honestly, I almost put Invisible String on my list. Um, I really like that song a lot. Oh, uh, that and um, um, Betty. Those two songs. Uh, the whole trilogy of, of Cardigan, August, and Betty is also like phenomenal. And no, no, Andrew's frozen. All right, um, all right. Uh, I I love this song. Love the song. Sorry. Um, yeah, sorry, Andrew, you're frozen there. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. This is this is great. Um, I think this is a really good example of how she is able to combine um, the best of both of her sort of like her genres with uh, with the sort of like folk country, but also have like that really like that really sort of quick beat that you would get that you get from, from, from her pop days. Um, I have yet to check out the album, but much like another, uh, another artist on here, I'll probably go listen to that album and then uh, say, what the fuck was I doing with my life and not uh, check this out uh, earlier. 
Um, Zach, your thoughts. Yeah, um, so the Nashville is my favorite band um, by far, and I've seen it in concert many times. Um, this singer gets really drunk. Um, and those wine glasses and people get upset. But it's a great show. Um, and Aaron Desner, I think, brings a quality you know, needed to make Taylor, or help Taylor Swift evolve, not make her, but help um, her evolve. So I, I, I understand her choice and why to work with him and some, you know, indie rock musicians. So I think it's a really smart choice on her part. Yeah, it's a very spacious quality to her music. Um, I think I did mention last um, show that I actually prefer two of my three favorites are actually Jackie Antonoff ones. So I th um, who's a little more in line with what she's done before, but um, I think he also kind of bought his production to kind of fit that style and then that I think melds her, the two worlds the best. Um, so it just works naturally for her. Um, my problem with Taylor Swift, which has always been my problem, is now I don't even want to say her songwriting. It's just like her word choice. Because I think like thematically there's a lot there and she has something to say. But the the some of the lines she uses to say it, I think she has not evolved outside of being a 16 year old writing i think it's just like so like goofy in its playfulness and like just what a 13 year old thinks is witty when they write it and i always find it really annoying the whole way scott described it as like it was like oh look what i did i fooled you and it was all about me and that's just like really you know playful and i think undercuts you know, the message and the theme of the song is all just supposed to make a surprise or turn the tables. Um, so I, I, I just, it's just like some like lingo and cool word choices and pop culture references. That I all just kind of find annoying with what she chooses to write. So. Drink. It's a candy, damn it. <laughs> Me. Right. So, um, hey, y'all. We've been having fun. Um, yeah, let me talk about a song about uh, mass murder. Um, Jesus. Yeah. That's cool, dude. <laughs> um, this song's called Dolores by Spanish Love Songs. Um, this song is super dark. <laughs> Honestly, I made a rule for myself to only include one song per artist on this list because Spanish love songs may have had like three songs on my list um, after this album. Dylan Slocum's voice is not for everybody. I will highly admit that. There's a lot of vibrato in his voice. But the passion and like the emotion that he delivers in it is so, so rich and top-notch. So this song is about um this song is about a mass shooting and uh at a theater um and the lyrics just really paint this this vivid picture of this scene um where there's uh just droning sirens and um an empty break room um and a couple of these lines just hit so hard. Um, there's one line, uh, it's just another white man with a grudge. Just like really was a sledgehammer to me. Um, but the thing that really bumped this song up so high for me and why it's my pick from this album is that ending. 
that ending where they're just going, they're praying for you, like over and over and over again, as just like just as like a a reply to everyone who's phrase, oh, sending our thoughts and prayers, but never do anything about it, uh, even as the amount of mass shooting uh, reaches like two sixty um, here. So it's a really dark song, but it's delivered with such power and emotion and vivid imagery and just so much internal frustration that it really shines uh, in its composition and its creation. Um, I, I agree. Uh, it's a very interesting song in terms of like just the sort of the feeling that you get. Um, it's I, I think his vibrato works in a way and it's almost like it's a cry for help. Um, it kind of drags a little bit um, in the beginning, but you get that sense of like of him sort of being on the corner crying out for help as everything is going on or I think everything that has just sort of happened uh, recently. Um I do like do like the ending. It's kind of very it's very reminiscent of bands we've talked about in the past. Uh, Killers, uh, Foo Fighters uh, does it does it really well. Uh, and I think like Imagine Dragons is sort of uh, sort of in that vein of just like really good arena rock endings. Uh, and I could be wrong on that one. As Scott thumbs me down, Scott. Um, I just don't like Imagine Dragons. That's that is fair. Uh, your thoughts still on the song. Uh, really cool song. Um, I I was definitely into this. I think that because the singer's voice, and I don't know what it, who it is, but like it reminded me so strongly of somebody, but I just could not put my finger on it. Um, it was kind of a little bit similar to this Australian band called Gang of Youths that I really liked that I talked about um, on the last podcast we did. But that was the only comparison I could come up with, even though I know there's something out there that's just not clicking with me. But anyway... I think because of the way his voice is, it makes you like really pay attention to what he's saying, which obviously is super important for this song uh, because, you know, the lyrics are hitting on some pretty important themes. And yeah, I echo what everyone else has said about the ending. That's what really sold uh, the song for me. So um, yeah, this was a surprise for me, but I really liked it. Yeah. Uh, Cole. Um, this is a cool, this is a really cool song. I, I dug it a lot. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I'm not going to talk too much about it because I don't know how much I can add. But it's good. Yes. Uh, Zach. Um, yeah. So as I was listening to this earlier today, I was like, and I was looking at the about artist thing on Spotify. I was like, I've like seen this before. And it turns out I, I listened to this album when it came out. I listened to a lot of stuff. Um, and I am an same person that keeps track of everything I listen to. Um, so there is record. And I have. And I apparently did not like the album. Which... Um, at all like as far as how my ratings go it's like because i don't rate that low and extremely but this i don't know it from the song because i do enjoy the song quite a bit um i i, I think it has uh, kind of that like emo punk vibes i was really into as a 17 year old that kind of brought me back kind of like against me in a way um or as a band i was really into um and I mean, the oh, oh chanting does you know bother me slightly so maybe if the album carries that over a lot or if it it's repetitious, maybe that's my issue, but this I, I, I vibed with and it, it moved to me to an extent. So, I'm not gonna lie, this might be in my top three favorite albums of the year. Yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm a bad pastor with horrible taste. We're gonna fight later. 
Yikes. Uh, Andrew's going to fight a lot of people tonight, I think. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, on to uh, on to my number five. Uh, this is a skip from earlier, and I believe the uh, I believe the puck stops here. Uh, it is the weekend's uh, blinding lights. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is a this is a bop. Um, weekends put out some uh, some really cool stuff. Uh, very effective in terms of like using these very very high octave synths, but uh, but yet having that like yet still having that that low that low energy vibe. Um, it's very very summer esque sort of hit. Uh, I don't really attach to like. There's nothing really for the lyrics to attach to, but that's that I think that's what's makes it so great is is like the production value and the beast and, and and the hook. Um but I am sure uh Andrew will find uh will find something lyrically uh that I have missed. Um not really lyrically uh but the lyrics are great. Um but it's just like it's such a tight pop song. Um, but it's a tight pop song with like this very desperate kind of delivery to it. Um, um, what I really like about the weekend is deliver like pop desperation incredibly well. The other thing I like about the song is that I think I'm like almost positive that there's a take on me interpolation in here, and to be able to do that with a song that's so woven into the culture uh and still be able to make it your own is friggin' incredible uh, especially what they do with it um yeah like this is just one of the tightest songs of the year and uh it is really remarkable I I believe Seth I believe Seth Otherman does the take does like the take on me thing at the end of his video whenever he's like making the beat for this song. But yeah, I think that's one more thing I want to add. This song survived being a meme. Um and it's not it doesn't have that like nostalgic sort of like cheesy value to it, which I think is really cool. Uh Zach, your thoughts on this song? Yeah, I actually don't really know why this did make my top 100 because it is like a pretty just like perfect pop song. I think I was just being too cool and doubting. Um, the weekend also like he has a, a a troubling persona that he crafted for you know himself that that pushed me off a little bit. But but you can't doubt that sometimes that greasy ass slimy persona functions into a, a good greasy ass slimy song, which just kind of does in the right right sections. Um, so I yeah this song the song hits it, it, I forget I I feel like I doubt it every time before I listen to it when I listen to it, it's like who am I so great uh Coho. I wish the Grammys did the same thing um I think this song is highly overrated uh I think it's oh good. my god it's good it's good I think it's fine there's nothing egregious about it uh I'm I just didn't it doesn't make my top. 40 of 2020 uh, and, I am not, and i'm not very you know mad that it got snubbed at the guys i think that's fine it allowed for songs that i think are better to get nominated so sure you heard it here first coho thinks the grammys got it right uh scott did the grammys get it right nah i i'm i'm kind of with zach on this one that i don't know like I regret not having this in my list because I think it just got overplayed like when it first came out. Cause I was really into it when it first came out. And then I think maybe I just heard it on commercials and stuff too much and kind of forgot about it. Um, and, but then of course went back and listened to it for this, this purpose for these purposes. And I was like, 
oh wow this song is still fire um and yeah i was thinking about take on me too because just that like riff of like dun 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 dun, is like is pretty close to like the riff of take on me so i like that vibe as well yeah um all right on to uh zach for your number five. Oh shit is it okay it is yeah um my number five, um, I wrote down BLH, so to give me a second to, to try. Okay, Body Light Horseman um, is my number five with the song Body Light Horseman off the album Body Light Horseman. Um, I don't know if Coho disappeared. Um, I also worried he didn't do his research on this. I was probably um says something to bar as well but this is a nice Mitchell who is Tony Award winner, and that's Mitchell for um writing Hades Town. Um she wrote Hades Town as a folk opera album, and then they turned it into you know a musical. So great for her for just really just kind of a quiet folk singer that she is. Um, I'm glad for her great success in other um, platforms. Um, but Hades Town, the album has lived in my family. Um, if we talk about Zach Gore, Nias Mitchell's like real Sarah Core, my wife. Um, the body like horseman was is really I I've been in her myself as well, nice Mitchell, but it also connects into um, these other kind of indie musicians. Uh, what is kind of referred to as the Justin Vernon verse, um, which Justin Vernon of Boney Bear has his Eau Claire Music Festival. And there's just like a lot of people that work with him and related to him, and and it's his, its own um, musical universe, not cinematic, um, because she met. Um, Eric Johnson at Eau Claire Music Festival, who's from the band Fruit Bats, a great um, pop, um, kind of indie pop rock band, um, and Josh Kaufman, who's worked with The National and some other groups as well. Um, and what they did is make a song of, they call it Ancient Folk, which just is a word that eludes me in its meaning, um, but just kind of old timey, um, you know, historic folk songs. Uh, and they just it's 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 real deep breath music as all nice mitchell stuff is um i also think they have really interesting um arrangements of a lot of the songs they do um looks like it's a classic kind of christmas song that i'm blanking on now that like natalie merchant also sang but the arrangement of it is so unique that i was even aware um that that's what it was because also has a weird name to it um that's all it, but this song especially is just helps me bring me down to earth and because it is has such a natural feel it makes you feel so rooted to the existence of um you know the universe and ecology <laughs> anyway, so. uh Scott so along with the Waxahachie song, this is my favorite song from Zach's list. I thought this was a really, really cool and did not sound like anything else like on anyone else's list. And it has like, yeah, I agree with what he's saying about it. It also has like this like Celtic folk like vibe about it that I think, I mean, I guess the name Bonnie, uh, you know, adds to that maybe a little bit, but I, I, I'm super into like, stuff that uses influences from like Celtic and Irish music and stuff like that. And uh, so this song was like, had like a very epic feel to it that I really appreciated. And uh, yeah, I'm glad I discovered this one. Thanks to Zach. Uh, Andrew. Um, okay. So I love like Irishy kind of folk songs. Uh, and this is right up my alley. Um, I love that. Uh, I want to say it's like an alto sax. Um, but that oh the the solo, yeah. Okay, I th- I think it's a French horn. It's either a French horn or like a muted trumpet or something. I could be crazy though. It, yeah, it, whatever it is. Um, that addition really sails this song to another level. So I really like this song a lot. 
yeah, this this is really cool. Uh, this this little section of Canada has a very uh, heavy Irish folk in, influence. Um, I think these these guys are kind of like a female version of Great Big Sea. Uh, I would highly recommend you, you guys check check these out. They're a little more up a little more upbeat, but they do have some slower songs that that sort of fit in into this vibe. Um, Coho, any anything to add before we go on to your number four? Fuck you, Zach. Of course I know who Anais Mitchell is, and of course I fucking listen to this, and of course it's fucking awesome. This is a great pick. I like it. Um, all right, on to your number four. Is it going to get skipped? We'll see. Dua Lipa is my artist of the year for a reason. I hope she wins the Grammy for everything. Break my heart. Kip. There you go. All right, on to, uh, on to Scott's number four. The Grammys probably will break your heart, but who knows? They have, uh, they have a better track record than some other award shows. But anyway... Um, number four, we're going back to Rina Sawayama. Uh, again, I think my favorite artist that I discovered in 2020. And if you take one thing away from my list, uh, it is that you should go listen to this album because I think there's something for everyone on here. Uh, but I chose bad friend, which is my favorite pop song of the year. Um, this song is just a banger. And what I, I, I love the progression of the song because like they hold out on the production when the first chorus comes in and it's like super stripped back and she just gets to like belt out the chorus and you're just like waiting for that moment to come. But they like, they hold out until the second chorus comes. And when the second chorus comes and that production kicks in, like, again, one of the best music moments of the year and, uh, you know, just makes you want to like pump your fist, you know, dance, do whatever, uh, you do to this kind of music. Um, and I really like in the chorus too, there's like a weird sort of like male voice, like vocodery thing going on, like underneath her vocals um, that I think adds an interesting layer um, to what is one of the more straightforward pop songs on this album that has a lot of experimentation on it. Um, this song doesn't necessarily have a lot of experimentation, but um that's one area maybe where it does. And yeah, I just think this was, this was my song of the summer. The song was so much fun. Again, um, my, my pop song of the year in a year where that the competition for that title was pretty stiff. Um, yeah, this, uh, this song is really cool. Uh, I, I think similar to a scenario that Andrew sort of, sort of painted. Um, I think this is the perfect song to sort of like leave the bar, leave the bar from, um, like very, like when you have like, like the, like the street lights or whatever, very sort of, very sort of like relaxed and sort of like, uh, unwinding, uh, vibes. Um, I do, I do like it. Um, I think that effect that you're, um, that you're talking about, like with like the male coding, I think that's just, um, an effect of them, like, of like lowering her, lowering her octave wise, uh, just, just progressively. Uh, and it, it, it's really cool. Uh, I, I like that. Um, it really, it really sort of fills out her voice, and that artificial sound um, works for this styled album. Um, Andrew, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, no, this song is real cool. Um, I have not listened to the Rina Say uh, Sawayama album yet, but it is one that I am super hyped for. Uh, I've just kind of been listening to a few other things just for like prep reasons. Um, but yeah, no, this is great, especially with that fluttery synth um like right after the chorus which is 
Mm-hmm. Such a great touch. Yeah. Uh, Zach? Um, I, I, I still think that just some of the production of it just doesn't look too much. The drums are really distracting me in this song. I think this is like, compared to the other song um, it's got picked, uh, this one is a lot more accessible. I think a lot more mainstream in its, its touch. Um, so good starting point, I think. Um, but still just doing a little too much for me. Okay. Uh, and Coho? Uh, it's good. Okay. Um, and Andrew, uh, on to your number four. All right. Uh, we're going to talk about the best hip-hop duo in the game right now. Uh, this is Skip from earlier. It's Run the Jewels. Uh, however, I picked a different song. I picked a few words for the firing squad, uh, parentheses, radiation. Um, so, first of all, I can tell that the instrumentation in this song is organic, which is already a huge plus. Uh, especially when you're doing a, a hip-hop song with such a grandiose scale to it. Um, and I think that Killer Mike actually may deliver the verse of the year uh, on this song. The the whole scene that he paints with um, the death of his mother on the plane uh, is such a great use of painting a story with just your words um and then you get to this screaming saxophone instrumental uh, right after their verses and it's just kind of sounds like the screams of all of the people that they're they're fighting for in this song all the all the do gooders that the um oh what's the line um, yeah, but, um, oh, it, this is for the do-gooders that the no-gooders used then abused, for the truth-tellers tied to the whipping post, left beaten, battered, and bruised. Uh, that, that instrumentation just, like, it just feels like the pent-up anger and rage of all of these people just finally getting a chance to explode and scream out. And then at the tail end of it, you get this, like, Yankee and the Brain interlude, which is the first song on the album which it's just like a great ending to this because it's just like this TV-esque kind of narration um, about these two guys. Uh, And it just adds such a a great ending to it that's really unexpected, but it really is a satisfying ending. I think that this song is absolutely amazing. Killer Mike and LP just friggin' kill it, and this album slaps if you haven't heard it yet. Uh, Scott, you guys also, you also have Remedials on your list. I did, yeah. So Andrew's song is the one to listen to if you want, like, something to think about, if you want, like, a more contemplative uh, Run the Jewels song. Mine, I think, is more of just, like, the fun, like, bop. Um, And the thing about them is they can do both of those things really successful, and they can do both of those things at the same time, sometimes in the same song. Um, which I think makes them, you know, one of the best in the game, if not the best in the game. But I really like Out of Sight. Like, it's impossible to listen to that beat for Out of Sight, the song that I picked, and not just, like, move your head. Like, it's 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 just got that quality about it. Um, and, you know, they you know, Killer Mike and ELP trade off some really fun verses. And then um, 2 Chains comes in. And I love, like, 
there's it's almost like kind of shambolic his verse because there are times when it's like he can't even keep up with the beat but it just like kind of adds to sort of the charm of his verse and i think just knowing two chains persona helps with that but he just shows up to like drop some funny lines like i'll uh i'll buy i buy a hot dog stand if i'm trying to be frank or something like i was that. gonna bring that um, one up yeah that is just like you know what what you expect from him so this song is is infectious and uh, far from the only good song on the album, but uh, yeah, this is the one that I kept coming back to the most. I, I'm pretty sure that mouth is Zach, so I'm gonna go. Um, I mean, <laughs> I, uh, um, I, mean I, I, I always feel like I'm missing something now. And when the drills, but I do like him, but I'm definitely more on the Scott level where I like the pop songs. He just picked the wrong one. I like Ooh La La, it was on my top 100. I like the ones most more hook based versions of it. I, those two, though, I think Bar has it right just because the song's so propulsive. Um, and it's energy. Um, it's really driving um, that I keep to kind of hook throughout. Um, I do want to say that there's a, a music podcast I listen to that I, I should have, um, if I was smart with technology at all, I would have recorded just like the clip um, and sent it to Bar because it was like a real personal attack on him, um, other than like a slight sports reference. But they were saying why well, Wonder Jewels was kind of like the most overrated album of the year. They say, um, Wonder Jewels is um, like sports, sports journalist. To, journalist music but it's only music for dads and that's the only hip-hop music um they love right alongside um jason isbell it's for dad jason isbell fans that only listen to run the jewels so dude both of those in years that's an attack on me too <laughs> yeah same. it's like wow jesus it's real good <laughs> but i, I like um, most of them but it's just a good bet yeah. Um, yeah. So Run of Jewels has been mentioned uh, a couple times now, whether it was uh, through this or uh, hip hop groups. And then I believe they're also brought up on 2010's albums. I just haven't, uh, I haven't quite like gravitated to them. Like I have previous groups are taking a lot longer for some reason. I, th I think if I was just to sum it down into anything, it is their, it is their production value. Uh, it, it's not as like, quick to digest as um as like as previous hits have have been um from from year from years past um but they are but they are growing on me uh it's just longer than i've uh, than i expected for this sort of style uh coho uh anything that i think run the jewels are good i don't love run the jewels i think they're like i think they're they're clearly like talented uh and like i don't have much to like say against them for whatever reason, Run the Jewels music just doesn't really click for me. I don't really find anything in their music that works for me personally. Uh, but I can't blame everyone who likes it. Like, I, I get it. I It's good music. I see why people like it. It's just not for me. Coho just hates Bernie Sanders and anything associated with him. That's absolutely <laughs> correct. <laughs> Send all your angry emails to at Caleb Coho. <laughs> yeah. Um... I've already got enough of those. <laughs> Um, all right, now we go on to my number four, uh, and this was a skip uh, from earlier in the episode. Uh, that is Out of the Blue uh, by Katie Pruish. Uh, so this is very much, again, thank you to Andrew Barr for, rec for recommending me this artist. Uh, you originally sent me Expectations, which has very heavy Stevie Nick vibes and is a very excellent song on its own. But then I decided to dig a little farther into the rabbit hole and listen to the rest of the record. And the next song after Expectations is Out of the Blue. And holy fucking shit, this is a Brooklyn song. It's six ace. It has this very cool, like, major, it's either like a major sixth or like a major 
like a ma- or like a major seventh chord um, that has just enough sort of like flair uh, to keep to keep things uh, cool. Um, I also love the usage of uh, of minor thirds um, in, in this ballad. Um, I think this is in G sharp, so I think it's like a C sharp minor in particular uh, that you hear. Uh, the Beatles kind of made uh, were really famous uh, really famous for, for for doing it. Um, this record. Uh, overall is incredible. Um, Georgia almost made my list. I remember uh, messaging Andrew uh, when I first heard it, and I was and like I just ended up like a jaw drop gif because her vote her vocals are really incredible. It's like the best parts of Miley Cyrus, but you also have like Casey Musgraves, um, and you get just everything that is great about that into this one country artist, and it's really cool. Um, but so thank you, Andrew, for that. Uh, but you don't have them as high. No, um, but I do have Georgia. Um, Georgia is on my list mainly because of the lyrics. The lyrics in this song are beautifully heartbreaking, but then at the end, uh, it really has a very positive ending. So Georgia basically starts with her saying... Um, when I think of Georgia, I think of you high as a kite, uh, in the second pew, I think are the lyrics. Um, and then it goes into the fact, uh, the fact that I believe she is queer. Um, and basically kind of going over like how her family members would take to the news if they ever found out. Uh, and then it kind of spirals into what the entire state of Georgia thinks. Um, but then at the end, there's just this really beautiful, hopeful message of somewhere out there uh, beyond the Georgia Pines. Um, I, I I know that people see me will see me as the same girl. They won't see me as this damned, uh, broken. Uh, individual um but i'll be seen as myself katie pruitt and it's just such a gorgeous hopeful like beautiful way to end this song and i think katie pruitt was uh did a brilliant job performing this song uh scott so, Out of the Blue uh, is my favorite song from anyone's list that I had not heard before. Uh, I think this song is absolutely incredible, um, and I immediately went and listened to the entire album after hearing it, and I think the album is absolutely incredible. Um, I love some of the other songs, like Expectations that you mentioned, I think Loving Her, and just some of the other songs are... Like, I could not believe that I had not heard this album before, um, because, again, very much squarely in my wheelhouse, um, I think the thing about Out of the Blue to me, which is like the stronger of the two songs, is it just feels like timeless as soon as you hear it, right? Like it it has a quality about it that like it seems like the song could have come out 30 years ago. Like it just sounds instantly like a, a classic when you when you hear it. Um, and I think that's something that's a really hard, that's a really hard quality to pull off. And uh, she does it there and on other songs, too, to be honest. So uh, thank you to both of you for uh, putting this on your list, because. Um, again, I don't know how I missed, th- missed this artist, but I'm glad I didn't have to go any longer missing her because this is one of my favorite albums that I heard this year. 
this is another album where I would have had like maybe three or four songs on my list if I didn't limit myself. Uh, Coho, anything to add? Uh, I wasn't really expecting that. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed it. That was pretty good. So. Cool. Uh, and Zach? Koho has a lot of friends, and how dare you interrupt him messaging on his bus buddies. Um, anyways, I um, there's something missing from Katie Pruitt for me. It's actually, I was like, this is when I'm like, I'm pretty sure I listened to this album, and I looked at my records, and I didn't. But I think happened is that like, too many albums build up, and I think I had to get rid of it, but it definitely was in my um, awareness. Um, and maybe if I listen to the whole album together, I would be able to, you know, find... Um, kind of what she's going for, but for the most part, it just seems like it is missing just one notch to to turn it for me. Okay. All right. Uh, on to Zach now for your four. Yeah. Um, my number four is Caribou's Home. Um, this, if you ask me, most of of the year, I would say this is my number one song of the year. I would have, um, but I think just compared, especially to my top two, there's just like a depth missing to it. Um, because it really is, this is a, it's a vibe song. Uh, it works at any part of the day. It's a great morning song. It's a great cooking song. Um, it's a, it's a great kind of, um, up, like an upkeep song to make you feel better when you're done with a long day, something to kind of get you in the, you know, transition you to, to, to the new part into a different mood. Maybe it's a good transition song. I mean, this has that, what I would say is the best sample um, of the year, really, the song kind of depends on the sample, um, which I looked it up because um, it is not a known song. Um, so I do really appreciate when, like, some of the musicians do really deep samples because it introduces me to someone new. Um, I do take the time to, you know, discover them in the original ones as well. Um, but it adds, you know, the 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 soul to this song because um, that the because Kiribu kind of has a relaxed, calm, you know, voice. Um, so the real like emotional heart of it just comes from the sample of this woman saying home, home. And it's, it's the right level. It's not really melancholy, but just like not, uh, it's upbeat without being, you know, over the top, positive and annoying. It's just a chill. Uh, yeah, you had uh, to talk about the song um, earlier in the year uh, as part of the uh, part of the Zach and Lucas Jack uh, pl- uh, playlist. Uh, we had been been re- recommending songs, so this one is uh, kind of uh, in in the mix early. Um, reminds me a lot of like music that music that uh, that, that Jake listens to. Um, a lot of like a lot of like sam- like sampling and looping, and I think it's really cool. Um, I definitely get that sort of like walking down the sidewalk on a on a on a sunny day. Um, I could definitely see it like being used used like for like like for cooking and then, or like even just like a great song to wake up to. I think this would be a really cool cool song to have have uh, for your alarm. Um, but that could that could be uh, that could, that could be a stretch. Um, Andrew, your thoughts on this song? No, nah, this song is great. Um, I love the, uh, it's really smooth. Um, and I love like the jazzy like stylings of it. Uh, the dichotomy and the dynamics between the two different voices is super great. Um, yeah, no, this song is dope. Uh, Scott. Yeah, I echo what everyone says, and this isn't something that I would like normally listen to at all. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's got a lot of soul. I, I really liked it. And, uh, I agree with your classification as vibe music, but I think there are a lot of vibes, which I can see this soundtrack. So. 
Uh, all right, uh, Coho, anything to add before we go to your number three? Not really. I liked it. Wawiwa. Wawiwa. On to your number three, then. My number three, I'm going to borrow a phrase uh, from uh, – my friend who suggested the song to me, as well as Zach, Zach, she's earlier. Uh, this song is Happy Quarantine Vibes, uh, and it is uh, 21 Pilots' level of concern. Um, this is one of my favorites from the year. I think it's one of the most chill songs. It's probably up there on my 21 Pilots list uh, of songs. I really enjoy it. Uh, it's a fun listen every time. Uh, and yeah, uh, I'm actually really disappointed that it didn't get any Grammy love, because this is one of the better songs from 2020. Uh, Zach. Um, Twenty One Pilots is a mystery to me, <laughs> mainly based on their appearance versus the music they make. But um, I, I think I kind of appreciate um, some of their earlier stuff, even though I didn't want to because my thirteen-year-old students were just so into it. But those thirteen-year-old students are really in the Twenty One Pilots are like my students, like they're on my vibe. So like, maybe I should give them a chance. I just know they're going to be really in the Seafrout Stevens in 10 years time. They just have to get through the 21 13 year old phase. Um, but, but this song is just, I think them going, you know, fully into the pop realm and abandoning any other kind of rock vibes that they wanted to do, which is sure go for it. Um, but I don't, I don't know how effective it is. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm going to agree with Zach as 21 Pilots is kind of a mystery. I really didn't like their, uh, their like, alt sort of hip-hop vibe th- that they went for. Um, they definitely did go for the main for the mainstream pop, which which I think I think works. I think, uh, once again, there's this very heavy disco influence um, that I, that I, that I think, again, is, is making a comeback. Um, but, uh, Andrew, uh, your thoughts on this song? Not gonna lie, when I made a first draft of this list, uh, this was probably at like my number nineteen. Um, I really like the song a lot. It's just that the more and more songs that I listened to that I hadn't gotten to yet, um, the more and more this kind of fell off the list. So this would probably be my like overall. It would be probably in my top forty. Um, but I really like the song a lot. Okay. Um, and Scott, anything to add before we go to your number three? Yeah, I really like 21 Pilots. I uh, Especially their last album, Trench, I think was fantastic. Um, and uh, I really like the direction they went in with it being more rock-oriented, rock-focused, which is why I think this song was a little bit of a disappointment to me because it does go back to like Blurry Face, some of like, the singles from there, which is probably like my least favorite era, so to speak, of, of 21 Pilots. Uh, I love the first album. I love Trench. I love some of the stuff on Blurry Face, but overall, I think it's a little more inconsistent for me. Um, so I trust that they will get back to making more experimental stuff uh, soon. But uh, yeah, I just kind of see this as a one-off lark in quarantine. And for that purpose, it's fine. Okay. All right. Um, now on to number three. Yeah. Uh, my number three is another artist that I cannot believe has not come up. Like, kind of like Taylor Swift, I guess. Uh, but Fiona Apple uh, dropped one of the albums of 2020 um, with Fetch the Vault Cutters, one of the most talked about, well-reviewed albums of the year. Um, and I chose the song Shamika from that album um, because I think it's a nice change of pace from the rest of the album, which is very raw, very intense, very dark sometimes. Like she hits on some really heavy topics and um, 
there are not a lot of light moments on the album. Uh, I mean, I think it's an incredible album. Don't get me wrong. But uh, but this song is actually kind of an uplifting uh, song about her interaction with this girl at her school when she was a lot younger and this girl named Shamika, who she thought was really cool. And obviously Fiona felt like she wasn't like on the same level as her. Um, and then Shamika commented her or complimented her on her music ability. Shamika said I had potential is the chorus of the song. Um, and the whole song is just kind of about how that was kind of like a revolutionary moment for her when uh, this, uh, you know, person she saw as like a role model or whatever saw some potential in her. Um, and so I think that's a really cool thing to write a song about. The piano chords in this are like driving and they're awesome. Um, and then like she does some really cool like vocal acrobatics at points like the Hurricane Gloria. That segment of the song is like is surprising and, and great. And, um, you know, I think 2020 has starved us of a lot of live music. And this is one of the albums that I would have really liked to see perform live. And but there are a couple of videos of her performing at like some sort of like New Yorker event thing that was on YouTube. Um, and this is one of the songs she performs. And I highly recommend going to look it up because I think her performance, her live performance of the song is even more incredible than the song itself. Um, Cause I just, she just puts so much passion into her music, but, um, and then as a final note, uh, just a cool bit of trivia about the song is that Shamika, the real Shamika is actually a musician too, and came out with a song uh, featuring Fiona Apple uh, that kind of tells the other side of the story, kind of tells her side of the story. Uh, I don't like that song as much, but it's cool that to see that sort of circularity. Uh, Andrew. Um, okay, so Fiona Apple is one of those artists that I like individual songs more than her albums as a whole. Um, Honestly, one of my favorite songs of the 90s is still Criminal. Um, but uh, as for Shamika, um, this is probably my favorite song on the album. Uh, yeah, that rolling, like, just almost, like, so, like, bassy to your soul kind of piano. It's really great. Um, yeah, this song is, this song is really good. Uh, Zach. Bard just said the complete opposite of where I would have went, which is I think her albums function so well together. Um, and her arrangements are so complex and, um, you know, experimental in a way of, of trying a lot of different things that it makes the music so demanding. Um, like you cannot put the song in a random playlist and have it come up and have the same effect um, playing in the background because that's what this music is for. It really demands your attention. Uh, demand to respect in a way. Um, that maybe that's I had a couple songs on my top 100 from Fiona Apple, but um, I think just why I rise highs because they all work better um, and together. Holding hands, song to song. That's fair. Uh, um, I haven't really gotten a huge chance to listen to Fiona Apple or Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Um, I like what I've heard. Uh, I think I'll probably enjoy more of it if I listen to more of it. Uh, but yeah, I just haven't gotten a chance to listen to all of it yet. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna be the weird guy in the corner, and I I don't like the arrangement. Um, I think Fiona Apple is I think Fiona Apple is re really cool, but it's just a little too out there out there for me. 
Um, I don't like the rolling the rolling piano for for what, whatever reason. I just feel like it kind of like kind of like tumbles on in a way, and and like you almost need a chance for it to like to stop so that you can kind of so you can kind of reset and keep everything fresh. Um, but that's just that's my own sort of uh, personal take on it. Um, Andrew, on to your number three. All right, uh, we're gonna go into more hip hop. Um, so. <clears throat> Hamilton has been a huge success. And one of the names that has come out of Hamilton uh, as one of the more successful people is David Diggs. No, you're going to do you're going to go here. I knew David Diggs before Hamilton. Uh, as part of the rap group Clipping. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. I really like Clipping. Uh, I know that some people have made it clear that they don't like noise. Uh, I get that. I understand that. Um, but I think Clipping is a really unique noise rap group. Um, and Davi Diggs is one of the greater storytellers when it comes to like hip-hop. And uh, I picked a song off their last album. Uh, it's called Check the Lock. Uh, it's this really great story about this drug kingpin and his paranoia um parking his car like blocks away from his house just so no one like knows where it is uh taking off his shoes because uh he he sees something by the mat or no keeping them on because he sees something by the mat uh and the production uh is this it really amplifies the paranoia of this song with like these just like this knocking uh and these like uh these like shakers uh and i think this is just a really really well told story and at the end uh it's got one of my favorite lines of the year uh every day stuck keep the heater tucked they got him sleeping in his chucks uh and it's just like a great way to cap that and going into the chorus one last time. Um, something in this room didn't used to be. Gin bottle to the face can't fool a G. I think was just one of probably my favorite hip hop line of the year. Um, so yeah, the paranoia and the song that Davi Diggs creates with, with the, the rest of the, his team, I think is so rich and just deep and so, so well crafted. Uh, we'll go. We'll, we'll go to Coho first, as the Hamilton. Uh, <laughs> Davi Diggs is one of the best creators working today. He is a very smart rapper. He's a very uh, talented performer. He's also a very underrated writer. Um, I hate clipping. Uh, I think this group just is not my vibe. I hate noise. I tried to listen. I can't remember the name of the album that they did. Uh, something and something uh but uh it wasn't i was not a fan uh i don't really i don't click with the kind of music they make i'm not a fan of all the weird just rapping over just like room tone i just i'm not a fan uh but i i wish dovey digs all the luck i hope i'm glad people like clipping i just i don't have you listened to this one it's like the least noise rap out of like all of their songs I'll have to check it out then, but I was not not impressed with what I've heard from them. This is this is probably their more 
you know, like I, I can't think of a word, but God, it's not as noisy. On screen. Oh, um, Zach. Um, I have no problem with the like industrial qualities of clipping. Um, I have a real problem with David Diggs. I find him real dull as a performer um, in every aspect, as an actor and a singer. I think he, <laughs> like, he has a real charisma issue. He just sat like you listen. He just sounds so bored. He sounds bored and looks bored with everything he does, and he can't do much more than snap like this and talk like this and have eyes like this. And that that's the most emotion and energy he ever has. His body might be doing stuff in Hamilton, have energy, but if you look at his face, listen to his voice, he's just going like this. And my name is, is this. His Tony and the movie Blind Spotting would like you a formal apology for me. Ruins Blind Spotting. What, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> That's the best performance in the movie. Oh my God, I can't. All right, Scott, let's make some sense of this. Uh, do you like yeah. it? Well, I don't agree with that, but I, so obviously I know of David Diggs, but I, I somehow I didn't, I had never heard of this project until like literally this list. Um, and I, this was the other thing I was alluding to earlier that I was like, I could totally see this being the type of hip hop that I would be into. I liked the song, but I think like, again, there's even more, there's potential for me to like st other stuff by them even more when I listen to the album. I noticed they have a song called 96 Nev Campbell. Oh, that which song is, is dope. That almost Which is a topic it. I would love to discuss on a future podcast. Um, so <laughs> if they have a song about that, then uh, even better. Candy. So, okay, so to to clarify, the reason why I am muting myself is that I am I have gone through a cold the last couple of days, so I don't want to cough um, on stream. Though uh, this song fucking slaps. Um, apparently, this is noise, um, and uh, and I like noise, even if it isn't as much noise as as uh, as as uh, as experts uh, put put it to be. Um, though this does have the honor of being Sue's favorite song uh, from the. From the entire playlist, so congratulations! Uh, wow. You win, you uh, nice. you win twos. Yeah, she loves Holy. the she loves the flow of this. Uh, and her her response was, "I don't know who this band is, or I don't know who this group is, but I fucking love the song." Um, so congratulations, you are Sue's, uh, I guess, wow. second choice. Um, I, I will say, if you want to get an idea of like them as like a real noise hip hop group, uh, the song "Body and Blood." Uh, is like the most noise like song that they've made. So if you want to get an idea of the the lengths that they can go to as a noise hip hop trio, that's the song to listen to. All right. Um yeah. All right, on to my number three. And now we are going to a route that I know everybody's thinking about Brooklyn and French uh, gypsy jazz tunes. Uh, but now we finally get to talk about Pomplemousse uh, uh, for the first time for me on playlist. Uh, so this is called uh, Je me suis fait tout petit, uh, which translates to uh, I had it here in a second. Um, it translates. 
leads to uh do do uh, I made myself very small uh in front of in front of a doll. Um so Jesse Jazz is a very cool corner of music that I have learned to learn to appreciate within the past couple of years. Um very technically uh pr- proficient um in terms of what in terms of what guitars are doing and how they are how they are arranging chords and and, and how and how they are progressing th- progressing through a song. Um and I think um I think she does uh the singer does a really good job of of just mastering the lyrics i guess and, and how to um and how to guess uh and how to get sort of like the the feel and, and the bounciness from that like very like sort of french cafe cafe style um these uh so this is originally a a song uh by uh by george Bresson. so i believe this is this is a uh this is a cover album um it's really cool. It's really, really sort of weird, weird and out there. Um, but I, I really appreciate it for, uh, for this, for the sort of the, the almost the Renaissance, I guess, of, uh, of this sort of style. Um, it, it's cool that that people are still going back to this. Um, Andrew, your thoughts on this song? Uh, first of all, uh, I love French gypsy jazz. Um, there's actually an artist by the name of Zaz that I really, really like, and it kind of reminds me of it, but just not as, uh, um, not as, uh, I can't think of the, the, a term for it, but check out Zaz. Uh, she's dope. Um, yeah, this, this, is, this just hits that sweet niche spot for me. Um, I love this a lot. It's one of my favorite songs that I've come across um, for these episodes, so... Yeah, this is this is great, but this is definitely a me thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, Zach, your thoughts on it? Um, I mean, I'm pretty into that kind of romantic, sexy French music, especially the '60s vibe. I think just the knowledge of it being new created this love and authenticity for me. That's maybe unfair, but it's like the same thing with like Zoe Deschanel's band She and Him. It always has a sheen of inauthenticity to the sound, like the Golden Melody sound they're trying to make. Um, but I think if I listen to it out of context and, you know, the background of um, all these French cafes that are hanging out in Madison, um, it's, uh, I would be, like, very pleased. Yeah. Uh, Scott? Um, it's very French, and I don't mean that as a good thing or a bad thing. It's just, and it's not just the lyrics. It's just, like, the sound of the music as well. It sounds like it would be soundtracking that uh that awful netflix show emily in paris um but i don't i don't mean that again as a knock on the song i think it's good for what it is it's just not something that um is in the niche for me as it is for bar did it sound very french because they were speaking french that might have gave it away no that's what i said it's not just the lyrics it's like the slightly strummed guitar just like the the quality of it like is, yeah, I think it's I, I think I think for me it's sort of like the like 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 the, like the thumb and finger style that you get where it's like they just sort of like pluck mm-hmm. like like pluck on the bass notes and it's a very sort of like it's very soft on the uh, on the middle and uh, middle and higher strings. Uh, but Coho, your thoughts on this? Uh, on this group? So Pomplamoose is a group that I know exclusively from you showing me a bunch of different covers that I all really like. I think they're a very proficient group. I didn't know that they actually made their own stuff. Uh, so when I listened to the one you gave me, uh, it sounded pretty different from the covers, and I really, I really liked it. Uh, I almost like this 
version of Poplar Boost more than all the covers they do. Uh, so I will be checking out more of them. Uh, I, I dug it. Cool. Um, all right. On to uh, Zach now for your three. Yeah. Uh, Torres pretty much always gets a song in my top 10 on albums they make. Um, she's my level of angry and angst. This is, she's like one of the best breakup songs. I haven't had a breakup in 10 years because I had the boring life. Um, but it, it, it still gets into that angry breakup vibes like I think no one else can. But even the, the chorus, which is the, the level of playfulness I can deal with is good grief, baby. There's no such thing. I mean, there's no such thing as like good grief. Um, that, that song could be adapted to, or that lyric could be adapted to any concept of grief that I find um, pretty um, relevant in a lot of ways, uh, especially because, you know, with people wanting to tell you how to grieve or how to deal with things. I'm saying, or like, say, get over it. But it's also like, this is good grief phase. So, so she's kind of say like, fuck you. I am having a shitty ass time. Leave me alone. Don't say there's good sides of this. Um, which can also work in the reversal of people expressing to grieve more. Um, but it, so it functions in that, the concept of dealing with grief in your own way. To me, um, this grief in this song just happens to be about a breakup. Um, that's kind of haunting everywhere. Um, but the real point of what makes the song work is the, the fucking guitars. The guitars in the song is is so good. It almost, uh, I won't say undercuts because that sounds negative, but there, there's a real propulsive energy um, to the song and it rises as it goes forward, but then it will just cut off for this kind of twingling, the um, that just brings you back down a little bit um, and catches you off balance, but it also just adds like a weird loveliness to it. I find it really just a lovely note she hits. And I think um, her voice, um, it, it has a great tone to it as well to really um, you know capture that pain um, and that angst. Um, it, and you just just like with poetry, you know, I assume this is the song um, Scott was talking about uh, yeah. that was in the same vibes. Um, it, uh, you can let out all your negative energy as the song just rises to get bigger. I do always feel a little disappointed because I wanted to go one notch higher at the end. Um, there's a song she had um, like six or seven years ago that I'm like in the name of. That's my favorite by her. That, that gets like real big and like real like um, Nirvana-ish in its heaviness. Um, and I said this to my wife and she's like, I think Nirvana is so much softer in this and I don't think she knows who Nirvana is. So that's a discussion we have to talk um, about. But in some way, there's a grungy, you know, vibe to it that um, you don't hear too much as well. Um, th this song just like, just that pumps me up. It just really gets me going, <laughs> gets me ready to punch a face. I'm just joking. I don't want to punch anybody. Um, all right. What is Scott? Yeah, this is definitely the one I was alluding to. And I do prefer this one to the Porridge Radio song. I think for the reasons that you've stated very well, the guitars, I think, are more propulsive. And um, I mean, her voice is really interesting. I mean, and almost androgynous, uh, which I think is, is an interesting quality. Um, and yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed this. Song. And I really like that lyric that you mentioned, too, that is sort of like the hook of the song. Good grief. You know, there's no such thing. Uh, Interesting idea and clever. Um, Andrew. There it is. All right. Um, don't smirk at me. At least I wasn't trying to talk. Uh, so. Uh, candy? <laughs> sure. Um, this song is really cool. I like this a lot. Um, Nirvana is not the direction I would go. I'd probably go more like 
Sleater Kinney. Um, but uh, no, nah, you're right. The, the, the guitars in this are absolutely the driving force. And uh, I, this song is really, really cool. I like this. Uh, Coho. Uh, I dig it. Uh, yeah, this is uh, weirdly in my vibe. Uh, you have somehow uh, created another branch in the Zakor Zakor tree. I think this is like very like almost like metal Zakor or like metalcore Zakor. Um, as hard as I get. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it, it, it's it's cool because it has everything I love about Zakor, but but like also everything that I love about like all hard rock from like late two thousands. Um, but. Uh, Coho, on to your number two. My number two is a song that everyone on this call has heard probably at least once or twice this year uh, because it is the theme song to one Twigs Trivia Night. It is Sunday Best by the group Surfaces, uh, which is probably my favorite top 40 hit that like just appeared and like played for a while and then disappeared again and no one knows what happened to it. Uh, I really enjoy it. It's got this very vibrant, fun, uh, like kind of relaxing kind of vibe. It's a weird mix of styles and tones, uh, and it works. Uh, it's got this sort of almost southern gospel feel, but a little bit more electrifying. It's 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 got a mix of just a little bit of everything. It's got that like it's a mix of a lot of things. Like there's a little bit of hip hop. There's a little bit. Uh, there's a little bit of this. A little bit of that. Uh, and I really enjoy it. And it all there's a bunch of things that really shouldn't work together, but it all just kind of comes together to make a really great mix. Uh, and it is one that I listened to a lot this year for a reason. So, um, Andrew, this is one of those songs that I respect more than I necessarily like. Um, first of all, the uh, the best use of it is absolutely two weeks trivia night. <laughs> the opening, for some reason, it works better there for me. Um, th- so my favorite critic uh the one that i normally tend to agree with the most uh recently actually called this uh the worst hit song of 2020 uh and i yeah i had the same face coho i was surprised um and uh i disagree with that uh it's more towards the middle for me um yeah so uh the chorus fucking chef's kiss amazing love us um, the verse very, sounds very similar to uh, a song that's called Drowning. Uh, just very similar rap style. But uh, I agree that there should be like a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter where uh, this should be like in parentheses uh, theme for two weeks trivia night because that is all that I that is all that I know it as and that's all I'll ever know it as uh, because it's just perfect. Uh, Zach, your thoughts. All right, uh, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think the word that comes to mind is like, this is going to sound worse than I mean it, but disposable. Like, if it if I hear it in like a context of like to trivia night or in a store or on TV or something, it's definitely a song that I'll like bob my head to, whatever, um, hum along. Um, but like in terms of, am I going to play this of my own volition off of my bone or something maybe one time out of 10 if i'm looking for like this particular feel of a song um but i don't know other than that it doesn't grab me a ton other than you know uh, know, obviously it grabs me during the intro of two weeks trivia night as i think we've all said 
Um. All right. Uh, Zach. Or no, no. I'll let, I'll let Zach hey, I could talk. Hey, yeah. it's a it's an enjoyable song. Um, I do think as a like as a TikTok song, that's its perfect place because it works best in bits, as we were saying. I'm sorry I wasn't there. I heard my name and headphones on. I was busy like breaking my freezer, dropping ice everywhere. Uh, I'm surprised. All good. All right, uh, Scott, onto your number two. Well, I actually think my number two is going to be a skip, believe it or not, because I have Jason Isbell in the 400 unit at number two with Dream Sickle. Skip. All right, let's keep it moving. All right, Andrew, you're number two. Oh, we're going to go for a while now. Uh, and I'll tell you why. We finally hit the moment. This is why I should have left. It's yeah. Why <laughs> <laughs> <Fly> back? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm supposed to laugh this much. <laughs> uh, it's Dua Lipa time, baby. Yeah. Uh, my number two song of the year is Physical. Uh, I think. Do we all pick a different Dua Lipa song? Uh, yeah, we do. No, I think I that think shows Lipa how fucking versatile of a year she's had. Just saying. Uh, I think you and no, I think you and Brooklyn pick both pick. Don't yeah. stop. Don't start. Uh, now, right? But I think Coho has another one as well. I also had don't start now. So oh, I, okay. I had I had two. Okay. Oh. So uh, physical. Uh, this is my choice uh, for her best song. It was between this and love again. Um, I think that the rolling synth line that just drives the entire song is fantastic. That bass is just so tight and so gripping um Dua Lipa just throws herself into these lyrics this is the better version of physical than um the uh, Olivia Newton-John version from 1980 um the uh just the pulsing pounding uh production and then you hit that bridge and everything explodes there's a key change the the tempo starts to pick up even more than it already is. It is just this great buildup, this great payoff, and this great explosion. Uh, and every single time I listen to it, I find something new, whether it be the guitar, whether it be something that Dua Lipa is doing with her vocals, whether it's a lyric that I didn't pick up the first time. This song slaps. And it was my number one song for most of the year, uh, until I did a little bit more research for this list. Candy time! Stop! Two drinks, everyone. Coho uh, or Scott, who had them higher? Uh, I had four. Yeah, so that's you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I had both Break My Heart and Don't Start Now. I think both are two of the best top 40 hits of the year. Um, Dua Lipa is an artist that I think uh, has a very specific brand that she's created for herself that is so unique, so well done. Uh, of just, I think the name of the album Future Nostalgia is the best named album of the year, uh, just because it is a perfect mix of this sort of disco and a little bit of 80s. And she takes a little bit of everything that you recognize and gives it something new, gives it something flavorful to today. And Break My Heart's my favorite example of it. Um, I think that's the one, I think that the songs. I think the lyrics are are better in this one than Don't Start Now. Um, and I think my favorite, just the uh, just the the way that she rides the song. It's just that I could have stayed at home, but I was doing better alone. And just like that, like choppy, like bass bounce is super fun. 
Um, yeah, I could have picked so many Dua Lipa songs for this. I love all of that album. Break My Heart's just the one that personally I like the most uh, of them. And Don't Start Now is the one she got the Grammy nominations for, so that's fine. As long as she wins, I'm happy. Like, anything she wins for, I'll be happy about. All of them are great, so. Um, Scott. Yeah, so I had Levitating at number six, which I think is the catchiest song I've heard all year. Um, I think Physical is, like, my favorite single, maybe, from the album. But, like, uh, Levitating and Love Again were, like, the ones for me. Uh, although I think the whole album is great, except, like I said, for that last song, which should have been Midnight Sky by Miley Cyrus instead. But, um, but Levitating is so much fun. I love the group vocals, like in the chorus and i think um it just keeps like building hooks on it just keeps stacking hooks on tops of hooks um as it as you get even deeper into the song um i think her voice is so interesting on this type of bright poppy music because it's deeper huskier a little bit than you're used to hearing um and but you know she has a nice upper register that she can go into as well so um yeah, I've been a huge fan of her. Like, I thought her first album was great and that nobody really talked about her first album outside of that. Those New couple singles that got popular. Um, but she did, like, the rare accomplishment this year of making, like, that pop album that has all of, all of the radio hits, but also gets, like, the uh, music heads and critics and, like, people who are, like, serious music fans as well. Like, I, I think uh, she that's hard to pull off, like, She's one of the first to do it, like since Carly Rae Jepsen, who I think she is borrowing from here, it must be said. Um, but I think the songs are more more uh, consistently upbeat on this album, which is what I like about uh, future nostalgia. Um, yeah, so I have Don't Start Now at seven. Um, I I really like her. I really like her her how she how she flows uh within the song how she has really like breathy qualities in the verse but then she like really sort of like um you really get the the fullness of of, of her voice um in the chorus um break my heart um yeah break my heart was on my list for about a couple of days um and then i actually switched it with um with notes right now but i'm actually going to use my scratch uh, for this one, because uh, I listened to the record um, in between, um, and I got this one wrong. Um, Levitate is the levitating is the best song on this record, uh, and I would put it as high as number three. Um, physical is really cool, and I understand why you love it as much as, as as you do, Andrew. It is very much that like anthem of like and like eighties like power pop hit. Um, it is really cool. Physical to um to hallucinate. Um, is probably like my favorite like four song stretch um in in 2020 albums um my only gripe with this album i would say is good in bed that's one only one i'm not like a massive fan of uh pretty please also would make consideration um but this is dual lipa is why i say disco i think is is back you get that you get the very heavy um baseline and what i love about levitating is how it uses the rhythm and the strings to really hide up everything i love the pre-chorus especially whenever it's um whenever they do like the yeah 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 part and because whenever like like whenever i hear that part i'm i'm almost like i'm counting out the kick drum and then like i and then and then the clap clap i think it just works so well um but yeah a, a phenomenal album i would say it's like nine and a half out of ten um, but Zach, you did not have Dua Lipa. You have not drank the Dua Lipa Kool-Aid. Uh, why is that? 
Uh, I mainly because I said I live in a bubble where pop music doesn't always enter um, my thing. And my gateway to pop music is SNL. She performed on SNL last week. <laughs> um, and it was very good. And um, I was very entertained. And I I, um, I think she hits the, the you know, there's few pop um, musicians that I am very into and some songs that work for me. And, and um, she does offer a different vibe to um, the generacies that can fill up some of it that I, I enjoy. And I look forward to listening to her next record. I won't listen to her. I, won't, I don't backstep because time keeps moving forward. I got to keep moving forward. Um, but the two main hits, ah. I think those are now levitating, which happened to be when she performed best now, I think are, are, yeah, like really good jams. If I gave time to the album, um, I feel like easily could have entered my, my top 100. Um, all right. Uh, and now we go on to, uh, and we're going to my number two. Uh, and this is where we get into, uh, like S plus tier songs. Um, I honestly was going back and forth between, uh, this song and my, and my number one. Um, and we go to our second, uh, July talk song on my list. Uh, and it is pay first. Uh, so this is the big single off of Pray For It. Uh, Govern the Shadow was in the spot for it for a long time, but I ended up uh, going with the my actually my most listened to song on Spotify. I listened to this 35 times this year, 13 times in one day. Um, it just has a super cool uh, low vibe feel, very Beatles-esque um, and like their later stuff. Um, get that with like the with the, the the lone piano that guitar that guitar and just like how how effect heavy it is um lefa's vocals are incredible um and how and you really get the sense of how she is the front woman um of this band um this is actually about them uh getting jumped at a diner in toronto um and it's really and it's really cool uh really cool lyrically because it also fits in with the with with, with the with the climate of of today um in particular uh the lyrics uh no uh, that's good news anyways um but yeah uh it's the um something wrong with you i know it um in that pre-course because they they match it up with with the music and whenever she says i know is that's whenever they resolve uh to that to that like to that uh, that root d chord um and i think that works really really well um with how you process that emotionally because uh it is very sort of like resolving in a way to have have information i guess in that in, in that's in that sort of sense um, also, the help us everyone, everyone is just really good usage of backup vocals in terms in terms of the bassist. Um, and then, uh, yeah, there's just there's so much I could I could say about it. I can't recommend July Talk enough. Um, they put out this is like a slow record, um, and it's the best of their ballads. Um, we will go to Scott first. Uh, your thoughts on this? Yeah, that last point. I think that it being you know a slow ballad is why i think i liked the other song better and i did go back and listen to it i hadn't listened to it on the last episode because of the mix-up but um but yeah the Go governor's shadow was like a really strong rock song i think it definitely makes me want to listen to more of their stuff but yeah they definitely they do remind me of another canadian band that i love very much which is metric uh particularly on this song um and i don't know i think i think i like um Emily Haynes, I think I like her voice a little bit better on this type of song, but uh, I still think this band has an interesting sound. They actually toured with Metric, um, and both are incredible live. Um, there Zach, you go. Yeah. 
and, and last week or last episode, I compared them to a different Canadian band. So I guess Canadian bands can only be can be compared to Canadian bands because I said new pornographers. Um, I just got to mention that name whenever I can. Um, I, I really like to like talk and I've never listened to a full album. And they said, I think because there's so much bigger in Canada, it doesn't reach my um, like resources that I use to discover new albums. So, Brooklyn, I really just need you to tell me when there's a new album. But it has to be that week because, as I said, I don't move backwards. It has to be <laughs> released. Uh, but it really works for me. It, it, it is like, yeah, pure, pure indie pop vibes. Also, the, the Spotify clip I have it up now. Um, is, is um, a subway going by, uh, which is like the perfect subway at night is like the perfect vibe for this song. And I have a lot of nostalgia for that. I really miss it in Chicago, but it would be it's a great train song. Um, at night, so yeah. nice. uh, Andrew, um, yeah, this song's cool. Uh, I also do prefer Governor's Shadow though. Um, however, uh, this is easily a song that I could find myself uh, getting more and more into. Nice. Um, all right, uh, Zach, on to your uh, number two. Yeah, I talked a lot about um, how I use songs to relieve some of my anxiety and my stress, which um, takes a large, large part of my days. Um, but this one is literally a song about anxiety. That in, in, in that way, I can um, you know find some kind of therapeutic measure um, to, to deal with it myself. Um, this is Bombay Bicycle Clubs. Um, Good Day, um, a band I feel like I've been missing out on for a while. I kind of dismissed them as, I think, um, like generic pop, indie pop rock. Um, but I, I think there's a lot more um, going on with them. And I think their um, arrangements are, are pretty and um, like complex enough. Um, but, but the lyrics of this song, um, especially the chorus, it, um, that I was going to have a good day, but it's only me getting in my way and um, everything kind of building into that realization on how your anxiety and, and your perspective is kind of destroying uh, any chances for you to overcome it and to have a sad day. And sometimes it's just a realization of that, just having that realization that right now it's, you know, the way things are going is my own perspective. I am blocking myself from opening myself up. Um, you know, to something like a writer. Um, and, and I think this is my most played song of the year. I think this is the song I also have just like paid attention to the most as far as like when it comes on, just laying down and really um, taking it in. And it, it, it does have the right calming vibes to go with that word, or the, the words to kind of work as, as therapy in a sense. Um, it's just one of those things that like being blunt and open with your stress um, is the best way to also deal with it and to make me feel better it's just playing like you know what i'm in my own way and now i feel better and um and so the guitar is especially at the end it kind of like an electric finger um picking section as a, a as the um i was gonna say prelude that's the opposite postlude it's a postlude that's the official term the postlude of the the, the song um it, it's just a really lovely way to to bring you out of it and kind of bring you back to earth yes uh andrew uh yeah this song's pretty cool uh i like it it's very pleasant uh and the lyrics are super dope uh scott yeah bombay bicycle club i used to listen to a lot um like their song shuffle i don't even remember when that came out but like it, it was it was back when i was in like high school but 
whenever it came out, if I had had Spotify, that probably would have been my most played song of that year when it came out because I absolutely loved that song and still love that song and some of their other songs from back in that uh, day. But I kind of just like forgot about them. And then I saw them pop up on your list and I was like, oh, cool. Like I, I like them and they're still making great music. I think this is a, a pleasant song and I like the uh, that refrain um I would quit my job if I had a job uh, in a year when I spent much longer than I had hoped to looking for a job um, that rang kind of true for me. So um, yeah, fun song. Uh, Cole. God damn it. I've yeah, I vibe with it. That's what I said. Candy. Right. Yeah. Candy. Um, so yeah, uh, I do like this song. Uh, the one thing I will I will say that uh, I'm not really sold on is the uh, is the guitar. Um, I think it's still a little bit a little bit too high. If it was like a, a little bit lower, I think it would sort of uh, sort of fill out everything. But it definitely does have that like indie indie pop pop sort of sort of vibe. Uh, just doesn't necessarily uh, mesh with me a hundred percent. But now. We are finally here at the finale, the number ones. Uh, Coho, what is your favorite song of 2020? Uh, y'all heard it at least once. I know you have because it was used in the promo for a certain uh, Game of Factions event. It is Bang by AJR. Um, as soon as I heard it, I said this is the most unique song I've heard all year. Um, I think it's the most well-produced uh, song I've heard all year. Uh, I love the vocals. Uh, I think all of it put together makes for one of the most entertaining songs uh, and also just one of the most well-made songs of the year. I'm also very frustrated this got snubbed by the Grammys because uh, this is the I think this is AJR's best song so far. Um, it's great. Uh, and uh, it's very, very, very fun to edit to, I will say. Uh, but yeah, it's good. Uh, Scott. Okay, I'll be honest. When I clicked on your list for the first time and I saw that you had AJR at number one, I was like, oh man, I'm going to have to like, this is number one uh, because I do not enjoy their music. But I listened to the song and it's kind of good. And I think that's the best I'm ever going to say about an AJR song probably just because like their their uh, style, whatever you want to call it, is just too... Um, basic maybe for me um but this song is is very catchy and i like the like choral refrain of like when the like chorus says bang 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 like i think that's a fun little addition to the song um and i definitely did not hate listening to it as nearly as much as i thought i was so i consider that a plus um so uh, in terms of AJR, I think I prefer Sober Up um, over, over the song. Um, I do like the build that you get from it. It is very Panic at the Disco-y, so I understand why you why you gravitate toward um, the string the strings in particular, um, and just the the depthness of the backup vocal, especially like during like the bang 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 part of it. Um, I do I do I do like that, um, but I kind of like the the more up. Beat kind of uh, kind of quick pace stuff from them. Um, Zach, I hate this so much, and I I, I brought this up to to go how and you was like shocked on the, that someone could have this opinion. Um, this is like the most generic bullshit that like anyone could possibly make, and, and like bang bang bang, and the thing of that is like a fucking parody. That's like if Andy Samberg did a parody pop 
rock song. That's what it is. It's so like obnoxious. I saw these fuckheads on the Macy Day Parade, and uh, there's like no worse version of me than watching Macy's Day Parade. That's when I'm like really the grumpy old grandpa. Why do I even watch it? All I do is complain how they like don't get you know musical acts. They're all like C level pop acts. They were probably the biggest version of it. So like, yeah, who are these guys? These like are one of be Jonas Brothers up here that have no talent to, to do anything more than play on a parade. Um, had the tape sync. It's it's bullshit. Uh, I'm glad people like it, but to say it's like deserved the best song, I don't know what world you lived in that you haven't heard five million songs that sound like this, and it sounds like parody. Oh. Uh, and yeah, it's strong. Reality. reality where I live, anyway. <laughs> Me, yeah. uh, AJR is AJR is a band that I really really don't like. Um, I will say this is probably their best outing, though. Um, but the thing that I can never get past with AJR is their lyrics. And this is a song that's supposed to be about the transition from like youth to adulthood. And the things that they bring up are quinoa. Like, things like that. Like, it, they're a group that tries so, so desperately to connect with a younger audience. But then, like, the examples they use are like, I can't remember if my password begins with the one or a two. I mean, come on, guys. We can all relate to that, right? I mean, come on. Like, that's all I get whenever I hear AGR's lyrics. Once again, musically, this is probably their best outing. But they just frustrate me so much with how hard they're trying. Um, all right. Uh, so we do want to thank, uh, Coho for, 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 for coming, coming on today. Uh, yeah. Uh, he has to, he has to run, but, uh, yeah. Uh, thank you. Love you. Sorry for calling your favorite band. Fuck boys. Have a good night. <laughs> They're not my favorite band at all, but thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, all right. Scott, on to your number one. Okay. And we're going back to another artist that I mentioned last time, Phoebe Bridgers. Uh, this was my album of the year, Punisher. Um, and there was no more appropriate song for 2020 than the closer of this album. I know the end, which I instantly knew was going to be whoo, voice crack, uh, was going to be my song of the year when I heard it, um, back in the summer, I guess, like, she she came out on her first album. She had that song "Motion Sickness," which is now like one of my favorite songs of all time, probably. And I think this song is slowly climbing up there to to, to Motion Sickness's um, ranks. And the reason I say it's the most appropriate song for 2020 is because this song is literally about the apocalypse. Um, and she tells a very detailed, um, like her her rendering of the apocalypse and being at home and like then driving through. I think it's Los Angeles and like all of these images um, of like these, she, she contrasts these images of like a slaughterhouse and an outlet mall. Um, and, you know, she's making some, I think really interesting statements um, about like hypocrisy, but the progression of the song is so interesting as well. It starts off as sort of like a, you know, slow singer songwriter torch song, like Stevie Bridges has, uh, you know, quite a few of, but then like those drums come in and that's when she, you know, goes into that sort of long um, bridge um, and she did, she digs on um, uh, rap country songs, which I, you know, liked. Um, and 
uh, yeah, it, all of a sudden it just like it gets louder and more cacophonous until like it's literally this chorus of people uh, like screaming. Uh, and it's just like this cathartic um, song again in 2020 when it felt like the world was ending a lot of times um, to sort of have this moment of solidarity and to hear, um, you know, all these people just like cathartically yelling. And the song ends with like her uh, scream like sort of just like drowning out, um, you know, everything else. And um, I think it's, it reminds me of like the epic album closers that like Bright Eyes have on some of their albums, which obviously she worked with Connor Hoverst, um, but like Road to Joy, Let's Not Shit Ourselves. Like this this song has those the feel of those like epic uh, Bright Eyes album closers where it's just like, we're gonna just destroy all of our instruments because we're at the end of the album now. Um, and, but I think her songwriting is incredible. And I think this album is an all timer for me. Uh, Andrew. Um, yeah, so this song is dope. Uh, I, this is, this is really, is everyone frozen? Nope. You're good. Just you. Oh, there we go. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> Yeah, um, everyone was just super still. <laughs> um, so <laughs> this song is super dope. Uh, the melody is great. Son of a bitch. All right. Um, someone else. I'm going to refresh. Did you say me? Me? What? Am I that far behind? Okay. No, just keep going, Bar. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm going to keep going. Um, I like this song. Uh, it's it's really cool. Um, it's very reminiscent of like Arcade Fire, which I know is a, is, is a band that you adore. Um, I I like that sort of uh, like that sort of pr progressive build. Um, I know the song that you had mentioned um, in the previous episode. I think it was um, Emotional Sickness, which is a which is a little more up, which is a little more like upbeat, but still has that like breathy breathy like quality. Um, it's it's really cool. Um, and I feel like our number ones have a similar sort of theme. Um, but Zach, your thoughts on this song? I'm just so baffled by some of your comparisons sometimes, saying they sound like Arcade Fire. It's a bit, this is like an ongoing bit I do with um, all right, Sarah, who has some really off the wall comparisons to me. So like we'll listen to a few pictures. I'm like, don't you think this sounds a lot like Leonard Skinner? Just to like fuck with I mean, you named Arcade Fire my favorite band of all time. So yeah, like, sure, I mean. <laughs> Uh, anyways, uh, Phoebe Bridgers is someone I like and always feel like I should love, and I'm having a real hard time pinpointing the reason I don't love. Because I do, I said I mentioned this last week, but I love her side projects. I love Better Oblivion Community Center. I love um, Boy Genius. But I am a huge Lucy Dacus fan, which makes Boy Genius um, kind of make more sense because she definitely has the rockier quality that I think um, helps um, her evolve a little bit for Bridges evolve um because I, I think when she goes this full earnest route like this song maybe it's just like her voice is too clean but it always just kind of falls into like sap it just kind of sits there um i i don't i, I don't know what needs to happen because there's others like i was just, we were talking about Ad adrian linker last week and the, the vibes can be similar but for some reason i think maybe her the uniqueness of her voice the rawness of it it sets it apart from phoebe bitters but the rockier parts like kyoto i love um so i just need she needs a little more energy to make it work 
And um, uh, Lucy Dacus is part, and Julian Baker are part of the uh, chorus that's screaming in this song. Yeah. Just a fun bit of trivia. So is Connor Rubber. Nice. Uh, Andrew, any thoughts you want to wrap up? The song's dope. The buildup is great. Uh, the ending is super cool. All right. Um, and now on to your number one. Uh, when we first started the episode, uh, I had mentioned that there are some artists, uh, no matter when they release something, odds are they're going to be making a list like this remain. Uh, I was not expecting Jason Isbell to take my top spot, but he and the 400 unit did it again. Uh, I picked only children from their album reunions. The, some of my favorite Jason Isbell songs are the ones where he gets real intimate and starts painting a picture about relationships that you can tell are either real or have some have some like deep connection with him. This is another one of those. And this may have my favorite line. Uh, my favorite, it actually may even just be my favorite entire verse, which is the bridge. <clears throat> where um, basically the song is about uh, somebody that he essentially grew up with, wrote music with, um, struggled through some form of addiction with, and he was able to survive and move on and become a well-renowned, well-respected music artist, uh, and his friend had unfortunately succumbed to uh, his addictions. Um, and the, the line in the bridge is, uh, and it went away from me. Here it is. Um, so the first half of the bridge is basically, uh, Jason talking to the mom of the, uh, friend who passed away while the hearse is sitting in the parking lot. And, uh, the lines are, she said, you thought the world of me and you were glad to see they finally let me be an astronaut. That line has so many layers to it that it's so beautiful. Um, and just the warm production of, of like the plucking guitars and just like these beautiful, warm, angelic like voices that come in towards the bridge. Uh, it is just such an intimate song that it hit me so hard. Uh, there was no way that this song would not end up being my favorite song of the year. It's just a perfectly crafted, really deep emotional song. Dang it. I almost, I thought, I thought I caught myself. Um, Scott, I know you had uh, Jason as well as well at number two. Yeah, I had, I had uh dream sickle at number two. I share bars admiration for Jason Isbell and, uh, like the concert, like the virtual concerts and stuff that he and his wife have done over quarantine have been some of like the highlights of uh, quarantine for me at least. Um, but I think Only Children would have been my second choice. It is in my long list. It's a beautiful song. I chose Dreamsicle. It, it reminds me, Dreamsicle reminds me a lot of like Merry Go Round and Casey Musgraves because it's like telling this like small town story uh, of like, tragedy and heartbreak but it just like these really simple but like very uh, elegant images that i think like tell the whole story and i think that he's 
very good at. Um, and like the chorus talking about like dream sickle on a summer night, uh, folding lawn chair, like that's the type of stuff where it, like, I feel like that's what every mainstream country crap artist like tries to make this type of song about like being a Saturday night, you know, whatever you're having a night with your boys chilling, whatever, but like they can't do it cause they just don't have the, the songwriting ability uh, and the craft of, of Jason to be able to like be telling a story in every single line uh, and not just like recycling images that they think are cool. Like that, which there's a distinction to be made there. Um, yeah, both of these songs are really <laughs> cool. Uh, Jason Isabel has brought up uh, this brought up by Andrew uh, a couple times before, uh, and just sort of fits right into that realm of like folk storyteller. Um, I think th I think he is the most desired person that I want to see in like a forty person like cafe, like cafe, almost like a songwriter's songwriter circle. Um, He's a little bit, he kind of sticks to the same thing musically, but that makes you pay attention to what he is trying, what he's trying to tell you. Um, and, and, it, and, and it, and it works. Um, I, yeah, um, really, really cool. And I, uh, and I'm glad that you guys have, uh, you guys have, have added him to this playlist. Um, cause it's been, uh, yeah, I'm kind of, kind of, kind of lost for words at the moment because it's really, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I like Jason Isbell quite a bit. Um, he should have won an Oscar if they picked the right song from Star is Born. Yo, right? <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think I just didn't give this album enough chance. I only listened to it once, which what happens is the songs that just stick out like immediately, um, or the ones I tend to go back to, which it um, for me was um, if you want to borrow it, <laughs> <laughs> um, be afraid end up making my top 100 because that's just the one I think stood out, you know, right away. It has a more urgent vibe to it, uh, but on, on rewatch, um. We watch. What the fuck am I doing? <laughs> I wasn't gonna say. <laughs> you uh, you logging this on Letterboxd? Or? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. I, I anytime we mention a movie, by the way, I log it on Letterboxd um, with whatever funny <laughs> joke. Uh, that's not a personal tag at all. Um, okay. Um, only children. It, it would have been my song of choice between us two. Um, but yeah, it, they're lovely songs. He's a good, great songwriter. So. Yeah. Um. All right. right. On Twitter <laughs> presence. Preference, presence, I am all yes, I agree with that too. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. On to my number one. Uh. And this is a very much sentimental sort of perspective. Uh. It kind of came at the right place, right place at the right time. Um. And this song got me through a lot. Um. This is good news by uh, by Classified, and it features. Uh, I believe her name is uh, is Bree Isabel. Uh, where is it? Uh, ABC, FG, Good News, uh, Classified, and uh, yeah, Bria Isabel is, is her name. Um, so to kind of paint the picture of of when the song came out, um, so Classified is uh is from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Um, so Nova Scotia uh, this year went through the the worst uh the worst mass murder shooting in Canadian history. Uh, a gentleman dressed up as an RCMP officer and just uh went through the streets uh and I think it was like over 20 people that he that, that, that he murdered. Anyways, they did this um they did this vigil um as as best of they could with, with with the pandemic. There was a lot of uh artists from the Maritimes that uh that provided songs for a vigil and uh classified the hometown hero 
got to close it out with um with I think Anne Murray did, did a song as well. But uh it was actually this song that sort of started every started um started that like finale part of it. Um and it just hit me in the right in the right spot. Um everybody's waiting for for good news in 2020. 2020 has been very very fucked up. Um and you know uh, I think that hook it just keeps keeps me coming back every time. Um, in particular, I love the line: um, "We've been dealing with the wrong things so long. The smaller things, we can make it right. That's why we hold on f- for some for some good news." There's just like you, you get that sense of sense of hope, and you get that sense of like you know there is going to be a, a way out a way out of this year. There's going to be a way that we are going to um, that we're going to stop struggling and be able to figure out how to adapt and where is like, you know, where is the trust? Where is the truth? It's about time for, it's about time for some good news. It's about time for, for the world to, to get a break in, in some way, some way, shape or form. Um, and yeah, I spent a lot of time just sitting in my shed, listening to this on, listening to this on loop because it was a very, uh, very calming song as well. Um, Andrew, uh, your thoughts on this. Um, this song's really cool. Um, it probably would not make my top 20, even if I had heard it beforehand. Um, but I like this song. It's really good. Uh, I think the thing is I just have to be in, it has to be hit at the right time for me. Absolutely. No, that's, that's totally fair. Uh, Scott. Yeah. Like even as I was listening to it and I could like point to things about it that are like, Oh, this comes off as like sort of generic inspirational rap, uh, at times I was, I still found it a very charming song. And I think the chorus in particular, uh, again, it strikes a chord in 2020, even if, I didn't know like that specific context that you brought up um, uh, for the song, which I think even, even deepens that. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that it has like the, again, the depth of uh, you know, some of the other songs that we've talked about. Um, but I couldn't help but be won over by the song, even, you know, in spite of some better instincts in myself. That's uh, And Zach. Yeah, I mean, I understand in the right context and in your specific context how this song can work and be moving. You know, out of the context is not going to have the same. It is, you know, derivative of other similar things, but but in the right moment, um, the right song can do, you know, be more than it is on paper. So yeah, it's it's the one thing that I that I love about movies and music is that they, is that they can that they both can hit you at the right place at at the right time and that it's sort of very like a memory or almost like a moment that you, that, that you can take to cheers. Um, but Zach, you close out the show. What is the definitive, um, not non-subjective greatest song of 2020? So um, I make my top 100 every year and I make my poor wife listen to it. Usually on our ride home to Cleveland, um, where we live in Wisconsin, um, but we go to Cleveland to visit our parents, um, but we didn't do that this year. So we had to listen to a dinner, but I was like, Sarah, Big things have happened. Like a big event this year um, has happened. And she thought I was about to say something big, but the real big thing was that um, Laura Marlene, one of my favorite musicians for the first time, has something that's happening in my car. Give me a second real fast. Before my computer dies. All right. Um, but she, ha- I don't think, has ever made my top 10 songs of the year, but it's like always my favorite album of the year is where she came up with. It's either between Laura Marlene and Sharon Vanden as my favorite artist of the past decade. Um, 
I, I don't know what it is. I think there's a lot of musicians that go for a Joni Mitchell vibe. I don't feel like anyone has done it better and progressed into modern era than um, Laura Marling. I find her vo voice um, so soothing and moving, um, but they could get raucous at the um, right moments as well. But this song, um, it, I just find so extremely romantic. And it really surprised me when I was making my own list. I was surprised at how I kept like feeling a need to put it higher. I would never have guessed, but it, it felt right in the moment. Um, I've listened like 50 times since I put it number one um but it is i the incredible romanticness of it that i find value in i guess it would be a great wedding song if i did, was already uh, married but um another moving quality though so it, the album is called songs for our daughter um she does not have a daughter um but she wrote a album imagining what she would want to like say and write for her imaginary daughter so the song you know up front is a a love song um saying like how, how she's basically everything she's imagined for 20 years but the same thing could be attached you know through the theme of the album um to your children as well like this is it, you come out with this thing that you could only dream of how perfect it can be and as a somewhat new father i i um, attach that a lot and i will say as i talk about the spotify three second things <laughs> uh it's the best three second clip on spotify all it is is her like slow dancing um with a man in like the kitchen which is every day in my life when i force my wife to slow dance with me in the kitchen but it, it um i think the, the romantic vibes that this song gives is those one that you can only earn with long times it has a very like real um there's a realness to that kind of romance it's not like the sexy like just got together but it's like you have the experiences and um the tragedies and the pain and the the, the, the joy and everything together the complexities of the relationship is tied up i think um within her voice within the song but also definitely within that three seconds slow dance clip you can see it so it's like this is the, the melancholy beauty of 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 long love um the low marlins is, is just the best um i'm hoping to be a vinyl completist of her soon um, and I'm very proud she can jump over the mountain and finally get a number one song because usually it's her album's function. So we're together. The song can't um, carry through, but it, it's fucking lovely. It's great. Fucking lovely. Two words that always belong together. Go. Ah, damn it. Last time, time. Time. Right. Last oh time I, I caught I'm myself. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's caught your thoughts. Uh, yeah, this is a beautiful song, uh, and I'll sound like a broken record, but Laura Marling, another artist that, like, if I sit sit down and listen to her, because I've heard about her for years, I've heard the various songs, you know, one-off songs, whatever, uh, I'm sure that I would be a big fan of hers, and this song, I think, is further proof of that. I like the direction, like, uh, instrumentally, where it goes towards the end, too, with, like, the guitar solo, and then there's, like, a synthy part that comes in that's, like, really cool, um, and so I... I really uh, was because I saw it was, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a bit of a longer song, I think, if I remember correctly. But um, I thought that stretch, it's like it's only like four minutes now that I'm thinking about it, isn't it? But anyway, that stretch was something that really livened up uh, the, the song, I think, towards the end. But yeah, it's it's a really, uh, you know, beautiful song throughout. And I think a good pick for number one. Um, Andrew. Um, this is a song that I think would hit me a little bit better if I was seeing it being performed live. Um, I, there was just that intimate thing. I don't know what it was that just wasn't hitting me the way that I know that this song should. 
Um, so I'd really love to see this live. It probably would kill me if it, if I saw it live. Um, yeah, this song is really really cool. Um, of like the of the, like the, your Zach core songs, this is this is my favorite um, of those. Um, I love the I love the backing vocals and how it just sort of fills her fills her out and lets her be like su- su- super breathy. Um, the lone the lone guitar the lone guitar works um, in both the rhythm and and the solo. Um, there is there is something like 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 Scott mentioned a, a synth a synth as well, but again, it's just like. It's everything that I love about that style, where things can be things can be spaced out, um, but they can also but they also still have like a still have a purpose. But they're they are like being spaced out for the, for the reason of oh we need to like let this song drag. Um, yeah, um, funny. Whenever you mentioned uh, you like dance with your wife in the kitchen, that is that's kind of like the kind of like the first thing that, 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 that comes to mind, and that's just that's that's how. I think that's the natural sort of swing that you get that you get from this from the song, despite it being like a like a lower tempo. Um, but that is going to wrap up this series. I believe we are not quite as long as the entirety of this playlist, uh, but we are done for the season uh, of Jukebox playlist. Uh, we did it, guys. Um, congratulations! I want to thank everybody. Um, very quickly, any honorable mentions you guys want to talk about? Like one or two songs. Uh, two songs. Uh, oh, go ahead, Scott. You first. No, I was gonna say go ahead, Bar, because I need to just look at my list really quick. Um, <laughs> so I actually had something planned, and I forget one of them, which is really sad because, uh, oh, uh, it was uh, American Aquarium. Um, they released. I think it's called like Six Months in September something like that really cool um and uh ava max actually produced a really really fun interesting pop album i uh, was not expecting that um so the song i probably would have picked off of that was torn nice um there was a sorry sorry go ahead. oh uh yeah so i mean just to mention a couple of bands who are some of the most like important bands to me in in my life uh bright eyes obviously i think they had an album this year, a long-awaited comeback album. Forced Convalescence was the song that I uh, picked from that for my uh, list. And then First Aid Kit uh, came out with a single that uh, I uh, was not expecting them to come out with, uh, but it just shows that they're sharper than ever. Come Give Me Love is the name of that one. So those are the two that I would highlight. Uh, Zach? Yeah, um, another one of my favorites. I had a great album this year. I'm very much... Uh, at least this album, similar to Laura Marley, is Damon Dorado, another guy with a guitar that writes um, lovely and intellectual, deep, um, thoughtful songs. Um, and that would have been my yeah, 21 on this list. Maybe you should have made it. Uh, Andrew, there's one more thing you want to add? Yeah, um, I remember what the actual song that I was trying to remember was earlier. My number 21, it was the, uh, the second to last one I cut. It's called Drunk or Lonely by Maddie and Tay. Super great pop country song. Cool. They had some good songs uh, in their album. I agree. Uh, there was a there was a different Pompomus song that I was considering that uh, that was on my list for a while. Uh, they did a really cool mashup of Good as Hell uh, and Bill Werther's Lovely Day. Uh, just everything you love, kind of about like about like Motown R and B, and then like obviously what Lizzo has been doing um, in this decade. Um, but yeah, 
Uh, that's going to end it for technically 2020, even though we are in 2021. Uh, we will be back, uh, I believe, it's going to be February 11th. Uh, it's the first Monday. It'll be the same day that Miscellaneous is back. Um, but we are going to be doing an anthology series. We're going to be doing uh, our favorite covers, starting off with 80s, and then we will go to 90s, uh, 2000s, and 2010s. I believe Andrew is already slotted to be on the 80s one. Uh, for 90s, I have Caleb Boatman and Kirk Kolakowski. Um, one spot up for grabs there and then i know caleb coho is going to be on 2010s um and then there's uh all the all the other spots available so if you're interested in that um jam session i'm not quite sure what's what's going to be happening with, with that but um that will be back in some way shape or form i'm just not quite sure yet um since i last updated you guys on that but i want to thank scott andrew zach and coho for doing for doing this episode as well as everybody who has been on playlist and jam session uh for this for um for this year um this is sort of like a kind of like a soft reboot um or like a relaunch of a show that i used to do for for a different channel and now uh that it had some success on yls uh it got to have its own show on audio form and i like that it's kind of that like that it's just an audio form it's uh it's great great car great car ride stuff um and i hope that you guys have enjoyed uh the plethora of content that we put out this season as well as all the youtube content uh, so check out YouTube, Facebook, uh, Twitter. I think we have Twitter. I don't know. We don't. We don't post a lot of stuff on Twitter. But mainly the Facebook page and YouTube channel. Uh, movie trivia, uh, Warzone fandom, uh, your list sucks. TV, um, and then oh yeah, and go check out the Lucas and Zach podcast. Go check out Champs oh. Lunch. Go check out. Um, Whatever it is, whatever whatever side projects that Andrews Andrews doing. Uh, go check out his. Uh, no, go check out his script read along of um, the a Christmas Carol. Chris Carroll. Yes, go check out that. Uh, fun times. But cheers. And as always, drive safely. Safely.